sacredheartradio.com. the 21st of December. Many of you, many people in my world, struggling with illness of some kind at the moment. Let's pray a prayer to St. Jude for the sick. In the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. St. Jude, you witnessed the healing power of our Lord Jesus. You saw his compassion for the sick and dying. You yourself touched the sick, shared the sorrows of the mournful, and encouraged the despairing. You received this authority and healing power to work wonders, to cure the incurable, to make people whole. We ask you to intercede with our brother Jesus to send his saving grace, to heal the sickness and suffering of all who are ill, to uplift their despondent spirits, and to instill hope in their hearts. Glory to the Father, and to the Son, and to the Holy Spirit, as it was in the beginning, is now, and ever shall be, world without end. Amen. It is a better way to start a Thursday morning, the Sunrise Morning Show, here on the EWTN Global Catholic Radio Network. I'm Matt Swain. Anna Mitchell has news. Paul Lockman at the controls. And up this hour, we will talk to Dr. Jared Stout. And uh, before you know it, Christmas will be in the books, which means in the Christmas season we'll be starting the new year. And Dr. Jared Stout wants to invite you to be part of Exodus 90. If you don't know what that is... You will probably feel like doing some sort of something to get back on track in the new year, especially if you're a man and Dr. Stout's got some thoughts. Dr. Jeffrey Morrow is continuing our series based on a Catholic guide to the Old Testament, which he helped write. Uh, Today we're in the book of Ecclesiastes. Father Robert Nixon will talk about the uh, virtue of fortitude as explained by St. Albert the Great. And loneliness, a big time of year. A lot of people getting together with a lot of people. But there are a lot of people who don't really have a good group of people to get together with um, who feel forgotten or lost or not really well understood this time of year. And Kevin Prendergast has some thoughts on that. Right now it's two minutes past. Here's Anna Mitchell with news. Good morning. The Senate has closed up shop for the year without a deal to fund Ukraine. The Senate adjourned yesterday and will reconvene on January 8th. In the meantime, Senate and White House negotiators plan to hold virtual meetings on an emergency foreign aid package over the Christmas and New Year's break. Pope Francis, at his general audience yesterday, reiterated his calls for peace in the Holy Land and in Ukraine. After reflecting on the nativity scene during his catechesis, he connected it with the work of peace, asking the faithful to go to the crib and ask Jesus for peace. He is the Prince of Peace. He said, in these days, we will see God lying in a manger. This is the strongest message of peace for the life of each one of us and for the world today. The Holy Father also offered prayers for all affected by a deadly earthquake this week in China. From Vatican Radio, Joseph Tollick reports. I turn my thoughts to the victims and those injured in the devastating earthquake that struck the Chinese provinces of Gansu and Qinghai on Monday. 
I am close with affection and prayer to these suffering people. I encourage the emergency services and invoke the blessing of the Almighty upon all, so that he might bring comfort and relief in their sorrow. At least 131 people died in the magnitude 6.2 earthquake, which struck just before midnight on Monday, and nearly a thousand were injured. Survivors had to contend with temperatures of minus 13 degrees Celsius, or around 9 degrees Fahrenheit. The Chinese government has announced that its rescue operations are coming to an end, and that it is now focusing on treating the injured and helping those who have lost their homes. I'm Joseph Tullock. The FTC is proposing new rules to put more limits on tech companies' collection of children's data. In announcing the proposed rules yesterday, FTC Chair Lena Khan said kids must be able to play and learn online, quote, without being endlessly tracked by companies looking to hoard and monetize their personal data, end quote. The proposed rule changes would bar tech companies from keeping data indefinitely and would require education tech companies to get school approval to collect kids' data. The U.S. is agreeing to a prisoner swap deal with Venezuela. The Biden administration will release a close ally of Venezuelan President Nicolas Maduro in exchange for 10 Americans being detained in the country. The agreement includes the return of six Americans who were deemed wrongfully detained. Venezuela has also agreed to extradite Leonard Glenn Francis, a former defense contractor, who is at the center of one of the Navy's largest corruption cases and fled the U.S. An additional 20 Venezuelan political prisoners will also be released from custody. The immigration crisis is apparently exploding on the U.S. southern border. Mark Mayfield reports. Border agents report a record 14,000 migrants showed up to Eagle Pass, Texas on just one day this week. A new record and a growing problem for a city of just 30,000 residents. Republican Congressman Tony Gonzalez, who represents Eagle Pass, tweeted, President Biden has abandoned border communities like mine. Republican senators are tying any aid to Ukraine to the border crisis. I'm Mark Mayfield. And week 16 of the NFL season kicks off with Thursday night football and a pair of NFC playoff hopefuls. The Los Angeles Rams and New Orleans Saints battle at SoFi Stadium. Meanwhile, a pair of games will take place on Saturday when the Bengals clash with the Steelers in an AFC North showdown. And SoFi Stadium becomes the center of attention once again when the Chargers battle the Bills in the nightcap. Okay. So the Bengals are playing Saturday again. Yeah, they played last Saturday. I know. What's up with that? I don't know. Steelers in a bit of a weird spot right now. Mm Mm-hmm. Chargers just fired like everybody last week so uh and the bills destroyed the uh cowboys so the bills looked good but the chargers have absolutely nothing to lose yeah that's that can be a very dangerous thing mm-hmm. i don't know and then you got some big stuff on sunday christmas day mm-hmm. it'll be interesting although uh my focus this weekend will not be the on back-to-back football. nfl no. slates but rather the back-to-back sacramental powerhouse like liturgical epicness i know man you know when i first heard this announcement i was like oh we gotta go we gotta figure out the logistics of this uh the way that advent has has fallen this year and the way that like everything has gone insane i'm like yeah i think i need two days in a row of church i know right i think i just want to like block out all the insanity and just be at mass 
and have that be like the absolute focus and center of my of yep. my Christmas this year. Yep. It's amazing how God works that out, you know? It's uh, It's been a wild one mm-hmm. for me and for a lot of people I know. So if that's you, see you at church. I'll see you at church anyway, probably. Eight minutes past. I'm Matt Swaim, joined now by Dr. Jared Stout. And uh, he is the author of How the Eucharist Can Save Civilization. He's also director of content for Exodus 90. You can find them online at exodus90.com. Dr. Stout, good morning. Morning. This is a great time to talk about this because the New Year's holiday always sneaks up on everybody. And everybody is like, ah, I got to figure something out. Uh, They figure it out on the 31st, right? What am I going to do starting tomorrow? Um, how does Exodus 90 really help people have something like they can like anchor themselves to so they don't have to invent their own self-improvement plan from scratch? Yeah, well, first of all, I, I should say that Exodus 90 is for men, but it is a powerful 90-day experience rooted in three things. Prayer. So we, we during the 90 days leading up to Easter, we dedicate ourselves to an hour of daily prayer. What we're known for is the second point, asceticism. So these are, you know, the disciplines of, of self-sacrifice, uh, especially the cold showers. That's what everybody focuses on, cold showers, but fasting and abstaining um, from alcohol and also giving up unnecessary uh, media use and technology usage. And then the third thing is fraternity, um, that there is a weekly meeting you know, with a group of men even a very short daily check-in with one guy called your anchor. And Exodus 90 is transformative, I think, because of the combination of those three things. A lot of people think that Exodus 90 is just men doing hard things. And if that were the case, I don't think it would be transformative. But it's doing these ascetical disciplines along with prayer, which, of course, is the heart of real transformation, but with support of brothers. And it really, really works. Um, well, Dr. Stout, every time I go onto YouTube to watch some link that somebody has sent me, I see some bro saying, hey, man, switch out your coffee for this stuff that I made out of, like, mushrooms and sod, and it's going to, like, transform you into, like, a 2% body fat, like, mega bro. Uh, you know, I mean, this is this is something that people are trying to do all over the place outside of the context of the church, or I see all kinds of magazines on the rack every time I try and buy a gallon of milk at the grocery store saying, here are like five tips for mindfulness, right? Like all these things are stuff that, I mean, that the people are trying to figure out how to la- like latch onto. What does putting them in the context of the, the heart of the church do to all these sort of natural desires that we have to be healthier, to focus more? Mm-hmm. Well, I would say that the deepest thing that we need is God at the center of our lives. So all these other things, you know, might be pointing us in a helpful direction towards health and discipline and other things like that. But what we fundamentally need is God. Um, So I I think that is uh, the most important thing. But there are so many things in in the world right now that we need freedom from. So Exodus, right, gets its name from the Exodus out of Egypt, where God calls Israel out of slavery under Pharaoh and brings them into the promised land. Uh, of freedom, of of life lived as his son. And that's what we're really aiming at. And if you're able to get that central thing right, you know, to grow in your relationship with God, to allow him truly to be Lord of your life, to, to teach you what freedom really is, a lot of other things fall into place. And so 
guys have said during Exodus that, you know, that their marriage has improved, that they're, they're better dads, that they have more peace of mind, that they do lose weight, you know, because of, of fasting and not eating junk food and things like that. But at the end of the day, you know, I think Jesus says it best in, in the Sermon on the Mount, seek first the kingdom and everything else will be added onto you. And so that's the real freedom that comes from doing Exodus 90. Well, I have a decent metabolism still in my mid-40s. I'm about the same weight as I was about 10 years ago. I'm not worried about shedding the physical weight. I mean, I should probably still do better than I do. I'm more worried about shedding the weight of the things that have attached themselves to my time and to my energy and to my attention. And one of those things is on the table next to me and it buzzes like every 30 seconds to tell me something I need to look at. <laughs> How does Exodus 90 uh, help people kind of break free of those kind of attachments, those kind of things that are like, they're trying to, I feel like it's, it wants every single piece of me and, and I want to break free of that slavery. Like I wonder what kind of resources you have to help people break that kind of attachment. Well, I would say that the, the deepest thing is prayer once again, that, you know, we're trying to put away unnecessary technology usage, giving up social media and the news and sports and, and TV, all these things, right? And, and, but we're trying to fill it with things. And primarily that is time with God. But I think what a lot of men discover is that they also have more time for their family. Um, and that's what really helps. But in terms of accountability, this is why we have like a brief daily check-in with your anchor. You know, how are you doing today? Are you are you sliding back into the news there? You know, are you trying to play video games? You know, these things that were that were they're giving up, and it's not negative in the sense like somebody's looking over your shoulder, but it's just you know having some accountability through the men in your fraternity, because together you're trying to do the same thing, right? Every, we're we're all trying to get this freedom in. I think anybody, if they really think about it, like you were saying, Matt, you know, you, you realize that we need more freedom in this area, that there are just too many distractions, too many things, you know, kind of pulling us these different directions and intruding into our lives. Um, and this is a big reason why men do find greater freedom uh, doing an exodus. Yeah. And I think, too, that men just want freedom from a hundred different kinds of things. And the men struggle with uh, excesses of, I mean, a, a guy who doesn't want to pay attention to sports, that's fine. You can be like, okay, so I watched the game on Sunday and that's the end of it, except every single other day of the week is saturated with people unpacking the game that just happened and pointing towards the game that's about to happen, right? It's amazing how easy it is to get sucked in. Or maybe you want to try and uh, limit your lust and anger and all these other things, and yet cable news is just saturated with stories that make you angry and often have some sort of salacious angle. <laughs> like, it's just so saturating. And I think that people want to break free. They want to break free and live outside of that world and inside of a place of freedom and peace and that is life-giving. So if our listeners want to connect with this, uh, let them know how they can uh, be a part of Exodus 90 this year, starting especially uh, as, as the new year starts. Well, you can find us at exodus90.com. You know, even though we're trying to, to st step back from technology, you can find us on YouTube and you can kind of watch some videos about, you know, what it means to do an exodus and what it will be like. So we have a lot of resources. You can even find a fraternity uh, through our app. So you can get on there and, and find other men in your area um, who are looking to do an exodus. But, but the best place to find guys is within your own parish, you know, because um, I think even though doing exodus can be hard, 
There's just so many men who yearn for, for this kind of experience and for the freedom it offers. Well, thank you so much, Dr. Jared Stout. We've got him linked at sunrisemorningshow.com. Back with headlines right after this. It's a quarter past. Do you feel as though life is flying past you? Are you desperate for a way to find moments of peace and quiet? Lord, teach me to pray. The free Ignatian Prayer Series will open your heart to His voice, to the peace you're seeking, and the only love that fulfills the human heart, Jesus. God is calling you to true joy, knowing Jesus personally. Lord, Teach Me to Pray is free. Just go to lordteachmetopray.com and click on the red box. That's lordteachmetopray.com. For 150 years, the Komboni missionaries have followed in the footsteps of their founders and Daniel Komboni. We are an active missionary group sharing our deep faith in God through service to the poorest and most abandoned people around the world, satisfying both the physical and spiritual needs of the people in our mission. Please support our mission work with a generous year-end gift today. Thank you for your prayers and kindness. Give today at Kombonimissionaries.org. That is Kombonimissionaries.org. Business owners are starting to think outside the box to find new customers. You can reach millions of engaged Catholic listeners by underwriting the Sunrise Morning Show. Each weekday morning, listeners across the U.S. and around the globe can hear your message for your business, ministry, or nonprofit on the Sunrise Morning Show. To find out how it works, email me, Leah, at sacredheartradio.com. That's Leah at sacredheartradio.com. Beyond Damascus with Dan Demite and Aaron Richards is our show for young adults. Everybody's talking about encounter. Everybody's talking about that mountaintop experience. What we fail to often talk about is what happens after, what happens beyond that Damascus moment. Jesus Christ is calling all of us to be missionary disciples, disciples of Jesus who are on mission to bring the kingdom of God here and now on this earth. Beyond Damascus with Dan Demite and Aaron Richards, Saturday at 8 Eastern on EWTN Radio. 18 minutes past the hour. Here's Anna with headlines. The Senate has closed up shop for the year and did not reach a deal on funding for Ukraine. Pope Francis at his general audience yesterday reflected on the first nativity scene created by St. Francis 800 years ago. And the Holy Father today gave his annual address to the Roman Curia. Happy birthday to my son, Zeke. Yeah, Twelve today. I cannot believe. Your godson. That my godson is 12 years old. That's pretty wild. Pretty Beyond wild. We had wild. his uh, Christmas play last night. Oh, yeah. How'd it go? For his school. It went well. Nice. They uh, they kind of have a standard format that they follow. They, they always have, like, this happy birthday Jesus song they sing at the end that is uh, led by the pre-Kers. Aww. And it uh, brings down the house. Of course. Uh, his his class, the sixth graders, did a round of Dona Nobis Pachem. Oh, cool. Uh, yeah, it was good. It was good times. I know you had your Christmas pageant for your school, your son's, your kids' school. Your son had a big role. Oh, yeah. Tommy was St. Joseph in the kindergarten nativity play, and it was just a classroom play. They all did their own thing, and so... Tommy got to be St. Joseph, and he nailed it steadfast and quiet. Did you know all his lines? He did. He did. I mean, if you're uh, if you're going to be in a Christmas play, I mean, the St. Joseph one, I mean, it's all face acting. It's, you're like Gromit and Wallace and Gromit. 
You don't have any lines, but you have to communicate some stuff without I wish, words. I wish I had known you were going to bring this up. I would pull up the audio. I'll see. Maybe I'll mute you get, my well, You get the audio I... of all of St. Joseph's speaking. I know, right? Well, Tommy oh, there they were. You, just got, you guys just missed them. They're, Tommy had right there. more speaking parts than St. Joseph actually did in Scripture. Wait, so they did give him lines? Yeah, let me... Let me see if I can. I'm going to mute my mic. You talk for a second, and I'll see if okay. I can get to. Okay, I think that the... if they, I mean, if you're going to put St. Joseph lines in a play, really all you got to do for a Christmas play is just have him say, okay. He said, we will go to Bethlehem, is, was his main line. Well, he probably did say that at some point. It's true. Sorry, I'm trying to. We still to, have a record. I of don't it. have it. I don't have it up yet. Hang on. It's all right. It's all right. All right, here we go. You know, I mean,. He's a, he's a man. He's a man of action. Is that the? That was the line. Good job, Tommy. We will go to Bethlehem. Nailed it. It's twenty-one past. Have you been considering all the things you're grateful for this year? Well, over the last year, if you've appreciated having Sacred Heart Radio as your Catholic media resource, to keep the good news flowing over our seven media platforms next year, please consider giving a special end-of-the-year gift by visiting sacredheartradio.com and clicking Donate or use Venmo at Sacred Heart Radio. And thank you for keeping Pro-Life Radio alive and telling everyone about Sacred Heart Radio and the Sacred Heart Radio app. Support for Sacred Heart Radio is from Twin Dental of Cincinnati. Since 1986, twin brothers, Drs. David and Michael Rothen have been providing superior dental care in a relaxed and comfortable setting for the entire family. The twin dental doctors utilize advanced dentistry techniques from sedation to implants and the latest in cosmetic options to preserve and beautify smiles. Twin Dental, located just off the I-275 exit at Hamilton Avenue. For a complimentary evaluation, 513-825-6111 and online at twindental.com. I am Guy Cagney with the Cagney Family and Coble Banker Realty. The Cagney Family supports Sacred Heart Radio and wants you to know that we can help you with all your real estate needs in Ohio, Kentucky, Indiana, and Florida. 513-347-1888. Tim Maley here, General Manager at Shock Tile and Carpet. Shock is a proud supporter of Sacred Heart Radio and local food pantries. A portion of every retail sale will help feed those in need. Or drop items off at our newly remodeled showroom and we will deliver. Family owned and operated since 1928, Shock hopes this season is filled with many blessings to you and yours. Residential, commercial, new home construction, 513-922-3466 or shocktile.com. That's S-C-H-O-C-H tile. You rely on your car, so rely on the experts at Fort Mitchell Garage, a proud supporter of Sacred Heart Radio. They can do it all from brakes, tires, and heating and cooling to towing and collision repair and more. Fort Mitchell Garage on Dixie Highway and Park Hills. On the web at fortmitchellgarage.com. It's time for our weekly Old Testament Bible study here on the Sunrise Morning Show. We have been using a Catholic guide to the Old Testament from Ascension Press. You can pick up a copy for yourself to study along with us from ascensionpress.com slash Old Testament. And we are back with one of the contributors to this guide, Dr. Jeffrey Morrow. Dr. Morrow, welcome back. Thanks. It's great to be here. It is great to have you. And our lesson today is on the book of Ecclesiastes, which 
Most people are probably familiar with, you know, that bird song, turn, turn, turn. I'll spare you singing it, but it's probably in everybody's heads, even just my stating the title. Um, But if that's all they know, there's so much more to know. So tell us about the book of Ecclesiastes. Oh, that's great. Yes, I'm glad you brought that up because we often think of that line, there's a time for everything, um, as kind of paradigmatic of this this text. But really, um, in my opinion, the book of Ecclesiastes is really about the vanity of life without God, mm. right? So it's it's trying to, this is attributed to Solomon, Kohelet, right, the preacher, the son of David, um, and that even that term Kohelet really comes from this idea of calling for the assembly to come together, the kahal, which is what, which is where the word church comes from, ecclesia. Um, and so what he's doing is he's trying to talk about natural reason, knowing about the world through reason alone, what our senses can kind of capture. But that's really not all that's there. The, 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 the author of Ecclesiastes believes in God, but he's going to kind of explore wisdom apart from that. And so it kind of ends with this, hear God, this is, this is wisdom. You know, you need to, it's God. It's not, you know, eat, drink, and be merry, for tomorrow we die. Yeah. Um, so... Well, if the author of Ecclesiastes is Solomon and he's looking at the theme of wisdom apart from God, he has quite a bit of experience with that theme in his own life, does he not? Yeah, he does, right? And he gets wisdom from God. One of the things that strikes me both about Proverbs and Ecclesiastes is this emphasis on the fear of the Lord, because that's not what really typifies Solomon's wisdom. He has this kind of special wisdom God gives him. But it does typify David's wisdom. And so at kind of the end of the day, when you get to the end of both of these books, um, you kind of see that Solomon recognizes, you know, David had a greater wisdom than I did because Mm. he had the fear of the Lord, that humility and trust in the Lord. And that's really the key to the whole thing. Wow, that's beautiful. So give us a a little outline of the book of Ecclesiastes. What can we expect in this book? Well, you know, I would divide it kind of focusing on the beginning sections, really chapters one after you get after the prologue uh to roughly six is all about vanity right vanity and kind of everything pleasure with even wisdom right work seasons time people riches everything that you have is all vain not just there's a time for everything but it's all vain because that that's all we have and then it moves from chapter six on till till maybe 10 11 ignorance the lack of mm-hmm. knowledge, right? Um, this is where you get into themes like about moderation, um, righteousness versus wickedness, the wisdom versus folly, rulers and those they rule. This is kind of an important section here. And then you get after that, uh, there's about a chapter or so in 11 into 12 about old, becoming old, old age, and the young. And then it kind of ends with these, you know, quick, pithy, wise sayings. In my opinion, actually, Peter Kreeft probably does the best on this in this book, um, Three Philosophies of Life. And when he talks about Ecclesiastes, really is the book the rest of the Bible was written in answer to. Not, oh, it doesn't wow. mean that historically. Huh. It's not historically. Yeah. But it's the question of what is life, really? What is life? What, are we, what can we know about life? And the whole book of the Bible is the answer. It's, it's God and God's call for us. Yeah, and um, listeners will recall that you grew up in a Jewish household. Um, can you talk about how this book is used in Jewish tradition? Well, that's a that's a great question. Um, actually, I'm not even sure we didn't we didn't use this in uh, in my in my tradition. I mean, my family 
we didn't really use Ecclesiastes that I can remember, but I'm sure it's, uh, um, yeah, I don't remember it coming up much at all other than in, in song. Oh, interesting. Okay, so, yeah. well, I'll just read from from the guide here. Um, Please. It's interesting that your family didn't use it. Now, reading what uh, what it says here in the guide, it says, In the Jewish tradition, Ecclesiastes is known by the Hebrew title, Kaheleth, and yep. is part of the writings read during the great liturgical feasts. Ecclesiastes is traditionally read in the autumn at Sukkot. Oh, Sukkot, yeah, Feast of Tabernacles. That makes a lot of sense. Can you talk about why that makes sense to you? Oh, well, I didn't realize. It's funny because it was all in Hebrew, so I didn't catch all of them. (laughs) Oh, I believe it. (laughs) Yeah, that's really interesting because I think that that would have to do with the seasons because there's so much going on with the change into autumn. That would make a lot of sense because you have all of this discussion of feasting in that section of Ecclesiastes. So that actually makes perfect sense to me. And I've obviously, I definitely, even though we were pretty secular, I did celebrate Sukkot or Sukkot. They'd say uh, uh, in the Ashkenazic pronunciation. But, um, yeah, so that makes sense because it has to do with the liturgical feasts. Sure. Well, you are Catholic now, so let's talk about this in in the Catholic tradition. I thought it was interesting in the guide here. Talked about how um, Ecclesiastes, um, along with the book of Proverbs, which we discussed last time, and the, the Song of Songs, which we'll discuss next time, how those three are can kind of be um, images of the stages of interior life. Oh, right, the purgative. Yeah, that's right. So, yeah, there is a way in which you can see this this purgation, right, illumination, and being united with God. This is kind of the classic three ages of the interior life, right? And so, purgative in the sense that you're recognizing, in a sense, the vanity of everything. Mm. Right. It would be illuminative in the sense of in that you know in which what what do we know about virtue and how in the ways of God and then unit at the very end I think you have the unitive of it, it concludes with the, the centrality of fear of the Lord yeah. so that you're trusting in the Lord to be united with Him and so those, those are kind of the classic three ages of the interior life well, uh, well, that you can find in these. And we will talk about the unitive uh, the next time we get together when we talk about the Song of Songs. But in the meantime, encourage folks to pick up a copy of A Catholic Guide to the Old Testament. You can find it at ascensionpress.com slash Old Testament. We've been talking to Dr. Jeffrey Morrow. Dr. Morrow, thank you. Thank you. Half past the hour now on the Sunrise Morning Show. It's time for news. The Senate has closed up shop for the year without a deal to fund Ukraine. The Senate adjourned on Wednesday and will reconvene now on January 8th. In the meantime, Senate and White House negotiators plan to hold virtual meetings on an emergency foreign aid package over the Christmas and New Year's break. Secretary of State Antony Blinken is defending the U.S. position on the Israel-Hamas war. Mark Mayfield reports. During an end-of-the-year news conference, Blinken said that Israel has a right and obligation to defend itself against the militant group in Gaza. Israel and the U.S. have faced international criticism for resisting calls for a ceasefire as the civilian death toll rises. Blinken said while everyone would like to see the conflict end as soon as possible, it can't end with Hamas remaining intact with the capacity to attack Israel. He also questioned why the international community isn't demanding that Hamas lay down its arms and surrender. I'm Mark Mayfield. Pope Francis, at his general audience yesterday, reiterated his calls for peace in the Holy Land as well as in Ukraine. After reflecting on the nativity scene during his catechesis, he connected it with the work of peace, asking the faithful to go to the crib and ask Jesus for peace. He is the Prince of Peace, he said. 
The Holy Father also offered his prayers for those affected by a Chinese earthquake in which at least 130 people were killed. The magnitude 6.2 quake struck northwest China Monday night, leaving nearly 1,000 injured in, a remote, in remote mountainous villages. Chinese authorities said Tuesday that rescue teams were working in sub-zero temperatures to help the injured and those who had lost their homes in the quake. Local officials said thousands of buildings were damaged and dozens of roads were buried by landslides. Pope Francis at the general audience expressed his closeness to those who are suffering, saying, I encourage the emergency services and invoke the blessing of the Almighty upon all so that he might bring comfort and relief in their sorrow. In his catechesis, the Pope focused on the first nativity scene created by St. Francis 800 years ago. From Vatican Radio, Christopher Wells reports. What was the saint's intention in organizing a living nativity in the small Umbrian town of Greccio? The Pope asked. St. Francis, he explained, wasn't trying to create a beautiful work of art, but through the nativity scene to provoke amazement at the extreme humility of the Lord, at the hardships he suffered for love of us in the poor grotto of Bethlehem. Pope Francis went on to identify two chief characteristics of the nativity scene, soberness or simplicity, and joy. The first characteristic contrasts with the hustle and bustle of the holiday season that too often leads to dissipation of heart. Instead, the nativity scene was created to bring us back to what truly matters, our relationship with God and our relations with other people. But the Pope continued, the nativity scene of Greccio speaks not only of simplicity, but also of joy. The joy of Christmas, he said, doesn't come from sumptuous presents or lavish celebrations, but instead is the joy that overflows from the heart that has tangibly experienced the closeness of Jesus, the tenderness of God, who does not leave us alone, but stands with those who feel alone. Pope Francis concluded his audience by comparing the nativity scene to a well from which we can draw out the nearness of God, the source of our hope and joy. It's like a living gospel, he said, a domestic gospel. And like the well in the Bible, the nativity scene is a place of encounter where we bring to Jesus the expectations and worries of life, just as the shepherds of Bethlehem and the people of Greccio did in their time. I'm Christopher for Wells. The FTC is proposing new rules to put more limits on tech companies' collection of children's data. In announcing the proposed rules yesterday, FTC Chair Lena Khan said kids must be able to play and learn online without being endlessly tracked by companies looking to hoard and monetize their personal data. The proposed rule changes would bar tech companies from keeping data indefinitely and require education tech companies to get school approval to collect data. That's the news. It's 35 past the hour. Now you can use Venmo to give to Sacred Heart Radio. Just type in at Sacred Heart Radio, all one word, to give a gift of any amount. To help broadcast God's life-giving message over our seven media platforms, use Venmo at Sacred Heart Radio. Support for Sacred Heart Radio is from Schneller Knockelman Plumbing, Heating, and Air. During the hottest of weather, Schneller Knockelman will keep you cool with air conditioning repair, installation, and maintenance. Schneller Knockelman. 
Find us at skpha.com, skpha.com. Support us from Andiamo Artisan Bakery in Hamilton's German Village, featuring authentic Italian cookies and sweets to grace your table during the holidays. From their signature Sicilian almond paste cookies to cannoli and tiramisu, celebrate the season with the flavors of chocolate, walnut, and fig. Order in store or online at andiamo-artisan-bakery.com. That's A-N-D-I-A-M-O, andiamo-artisan-bakery.com. It's 24 minutes before the hour on this feast of St. Peter Canisius, Thursday, December the 21st. Your forecast is brought to you on Sacred Heart Catholic Radio by Schneller Nachman Plumbing, Heating, and Air. Online at skpha.com. Looks like it's going to be even warmer today. Right now, temperatures in the upper 20s as you're heading out the door. For Cincinnati, it'll be mostly cloudy skies today with a high of 50 degrees. Mostly cloudy tonight with an overnight low of 31. Mostly cloudy with a slight rain chance tomorrow and a high of 52 degrees. For the Miami Valley-Dayton area, a mix of clouds and a little sun today with a high of 50 degrees. Mostly cloudy tonight with an overnight low of 33. Mostly cloudy skies tomorrow and a high around 52 degrees. This is Sacred Heart Catholic Radio, 740 a.m., 9, 10 a.m. Make an end-of-year donation online at sacredheartradio.com. It's 37 minutes past the hour. You're listening to the Sunrise Morning Show on the EWTN Global Catholic Radio Network. Happy to have you along with us on a Thursday morning. Father Robert Nixon is back with us now on the Sunrise Morning Show. He's Benedictine monk at New Norcia in Australia. He's translator of the Tan Resurrection series. And we have been going through the Paradise of the Soul by St. Albert the Great. Father, welcome back. Thank you, Eddie. It's great to be with you. It is great to have you. And this week we are talking about the virtue of fortitude. How does St. Albert define fortitude? So he describes perfect fortitude is to be able to rule and govern well one's own soul. This means being able to restrain the soul from all pride, envy, wrath, lust, avarice, vainglory, self-satisfaction and carnal desire, so that the rational intelligence refuses ever to consent or to cooperate with such tendencies. Hence it is written, the one who rules his own soul is better than the one who conquers cities. So for him, fortitude is the ability to govern oneself, to rule one's own actions, one's own thought, one's own soul. And this is what fortitude, what true strength consists in. Yeah, and lest we believe that fortitude is some sort of physical strength, he offers us the example of Samson. Indeed. So here we have strength. Uh, Samson, who is this uh, figure who has phenomenal physical strength. But at the same time, when we read about his story in the Bible, we see that he was actually in some ways quite a weak character. He would be, you know... um, persuaded by various women, notably Delilah, and was kind of easily misled. So I think that's a a very good example of someone who has physical strength but doesn't have the ability to govern his own heart. 
And we also have the example of David, who, of course, not only had physical strength, but also had a great deal of intelligence and wisdom. But in a few instances, he himself succumbed to various temptations. So we see someone whose strength is flawed by numerous particular weaknesses. And this complete strength, which St. Albert the Great is talking about, is perfect governing of oneself. And what is the freedom that comes with that? So I think, um, you know, if we think about our human condition, that we're, we're all subject to different temptations, tendencies, and so forth. And so from time to time, we can feel that we're not really in control of our own actions. Now, if you think about this virtue of fortitude, it means complete self-governance, self-mastery. And he talks about that in terms of freedom, um, a type of positive experience of spiritual delight. And this uh, frees us from all vices, from all temptations. It makes us truly in command of ourself. And I think that is the greatest form of power any person can have. Now, can you talk about how St. Albert distinguishes between true and false fortitude? Yes, indeed. So he talks about a false or perverse kind of fortitude. And that's when a person uses uh, their courage or strength for deeds contrary to the will of God. And, you know, we can often see this. We can often see people who are in some ways villainous, um, yet they possess great personal strength, even personal discipline and self-control. But this can all be misdirected. It can be directed towards uh, perverse purposes. So he's saying that for true strength, for true fortitude, it needs to be in accordance with the will of God. Otherwise, we're misusing one of these personal gifts. And um, he, he quotes St. Anselm. St. Anselm's observes that sinning is not true freedom and generally does not arise from strength, ability or liberty, but rather from a deficiency in these things. And I think that's such an important thing these days because sometimes people think, you know, freedom is all about being able to do whatever I want, being able to indulge in whatever vices or do whatever um, activities this is freedom. But in fact, no, it's not. It's a kind of slavery. It's not the product of strength. It's more generally the product of weakness. But you get that sort of immediate gratification when you aren't disciplined and don't have that that fortitude that you're describing, which is why I think it's all the more important that that St. Albert uh, talks about in here the the positive experience of spiritual delight um, when when you do practice true fortitude, because if it was all just, um, I don't know, dying to self and, yeah. and just limiting all good, you know, all of that immediate gratification, yeah. the stuff that feels good in the moment, then yeah. people wouldn't want to yeah. have fortitude. <laughs> yeah, and, and, and absolutely. And I think people experience a genuine spiritual delight when they're able to overcome temptation. Mm, you know, if yeah. a person has a particular bad habit and they manage to go through the day without succumbing to that, then I think that they experience this real joy, this real freedom. 
Or if a person experiences a temptation and, and they think, I know I'm tempted to say or do the wrong thing in this case, but I'm not going to do it because I'm in charge of myself and this is the decision I make, then from that grows a real a deep satisfaction and happiness, which far, far exceeds the gratification people might get from, from any um, temporary pleasures of sin. And Father, will you share with us his prayer for fortitude? Absolutely. So it's a wonderful prayer for fortitude. O oh Lord, how weak and feeble is every mortal being who relies upon himself alone. But how strong are those who rely upon you? How strong is the soul that has once tasted the sweetness of your spirit, both in performing good works and in enduring tribulation, in resisting the temptations of the flesh, and withstanding the hard blows of adversity. Lord, strengthen my soul with your own fortitude so that it may be able to combat the sinful influences of the old Adam within me. Never let me consent to the insidious persuasions of temptation. Lord, bring my senses and my members, especially my tongue, under firm control, for without your grace I cannot succeed in taming them. And I know that if I am left ungoverned, they will surely flare up like a fire and become a font of a multitude of evils and ills. Let neither adversity nor prosperity sway me from what is right, Lord. Govern my inner heart and let it not become fatigued in undertaking those things which are pleasing to you. Let me never shun difficulties and trials, for such things serve to nourish true and lasting fortitude and virtue, by means of which I shall be able to serve you ever more faithfully, my God. Amen. Amen. Beautiful words, beautiful prayer from St. Albert the Great. And we've been talking about the virtue of fortitude with Father Robert Nixon. The book is called The Paradise of the Soul, 42 Virtues to Reach Heaven. You can find it linked at sunrisemorningshow.com. Father, really appreciate it. Thank you so much. Thank you, Annie, and I wish you in advance a very happy and blessed Christmas. And you as well, Father. We'll look forward to talking to you again in the new year. It's a quarter till now on the Sunrise Morning Show. Our Catholic counselor, Kevin Prendergast, joins us next. Support for the Sunrise Morning Show is from Visiting Angels. Visiting Angels provides experienced, compassionate care to millions of aging adults nationwide by keeping them safe and healthy in the comfort of their own home. Whether it's a short break for caregivers or for long-term assistance, Visiting Angels provides hygiene, meals, light housework, companionship, and more. And services are available up to 24 hours per day. Visiting Angels, online at visitingangels.com. That's visitingangels.com. Franchise opportunities available. Are you looking for peace? Longing for joy? Want to meet the giver of all goodness? God is calling the laity to bring Ignatian prayer into a suffering world. Work for the new evangelization. Go to lordteachmetopray.com. Order your free digital training and manual. Find true happiness and everlasting joy. Go to lordteachmetopray.com. And click on the red button today. It's free. Approved by the USCCB.
Are you expecting the kids to wake you up at the crack of dawn on Christmas morning? Make that experience more bearable by treating yourself to some Mystic Monk coffee. They have a number of Christmas blends available, and when you go to Mystic Monk Coffee through the link at sunrisemorningshow.com, you earn us a commission. Make Christmas morning even better by drinking your coffee with a Sunrise Morning Show mug, available in our online store. Browse our mugs and link to Mystic Monk Coffee at sonrisemorningshow.com. That's sunrisemorningshow.com. EWTN's Religious Catalog has terrific suggestions for Christmas gifts. ABC Get to Know the Saints with Me introduces young readers to the communion of saints in a simple and memorable way. Each page includes an easy-to-read letter of the alphabet and a charming rhyme about the life of a corresponding saint in heaven. The ABC Get to Know the Saints with Me book is one of many great Christmas gifts from EWTN Religious Catalog. For more, visit EWTNRC.com today. This is Dr. David Anders. Are your friends or family discouraging you from becoming Catholic? We can help on Call to Communion this afternoon at 2 p.m. Eastern. Now back to the Sunrise Morning Show. Sunrise Morning Show continues, and this is a time of year, Advent into Christmas, and especially as winter hits, that people... uh, People tend to get isolated. Uh, it's a little harder to get outside, and people feel alone. And here to talk about that is pastoral counselor Kevin Prendergast, a licensed counselor with decades of experience in the classroom, but also in private practice. Kevin, good morning. Hey, good morning, Matt. So there are going to be people at our parish who, you know, it looks like they're out there mixing it up with hundreds and hundreds of us for Christmas, <laughs> but they're. <laughs> going to go home by themselves and uh, there are people who even are going to be surrounded by family who are still going to feel lonely this Christmas Uh, what are some ways to think about this and ponder how to how to break out of some of that yeah I got I got two little stories to share that are very upsetting but they're I think they really teach us something and it kind of goes back to uh, in Genesis when God asked uh, Cain, where's your brother? And he said, well, am I my brother's keeper? (laughs) And I know a lot of our listeners are doing a lot of charity and outreach. And I think it's about paying attention, so not getting absorbed in my own world. So the the two stories are are this, Matt, and then a couple of thoughts uh, from our faith tradition and psychology. So this really grabbed me, and I I have some friends in Dublin, and uh, last year they pointed out a story to me that there was a man in his 70s who lived by himself in in Dublin, Michael Whiston, and uh, he was not found after he died. He lived alone, and he died and wasn't found for a year after that, which you, you read that story, you just think, how could that possibly happen? But there was another incident in the Netherlands before that where there was a 74-year-old woman uh, who wasn't discovered for 10 years after she deceased. So that seems like that's, you know, once in a million and that never happens. I can tell you from my experience, the work that I do, that I, I could name off five people right now in the last five or six years in this medium-sized Midwest city who have had the same thing happen, who were found a long time after they were deceased. And and so it's disturbing, but it makes us pay attention to sit up. Um, Michael Doherty, Brendan Doherty, who writes from the for the National Review, he commented, he reflected on that story from Dublin. And what he said is, I worry that stories like his are becoming more common and will for a great long time. So I think that part of it is we don't want to pay attention to the people that are on the margins because it makes us feel uncomfortable. 
we kind of it's like going by a train train wreck or a car wreck and so we can't help but look but then we look away because you know we start thinking about our own mortality about what if this happens to us who's going to take care of me when i'm old and when i'm alone i don't have family nearby so if, and then people just fall through the cracks but as christians uh, that's our, our mission is we can't let anybody fall through the cracks. Now, sometimes people have mental health issues or addiction. And so in a way, they in, in some sense, they choose to be isolated. They push people away. Uh, but still, does that remove them from our care? So that's kind of the story. The part of, you know, like in, in faith and psychology from the counseling point of view, uh, most of the people who come to see me for counseling when they're really in distress are in some way their relationships are are broken or damaged. A lot of people are out of community. And even though we've got more and more technology to keep in touch with each other, and you've talked about this, you and Annie, a lot, is we don't have that face-to-face contact, and we need that. One of my colleagues uh, wrote a book about marriage where the title was Created for Connection. Created for Connection. We're hardwired in us that we need each other. And it's disturbing because as people move away and are more mobile, a lot of us don't have our kids or our families, our relatives close by. And then if something happens, it doesn't take much to push us into that that stage of life, uh, kind of yeah. like Michael Wiston in, in Dublin, right? That, that well, we fall into despair. Yeah. And if it's that bad now, and it's always been, there have always been people who have fallen through the cracks. And mm-hmm. uh, in, in some ways, social media is the only way that you sort of tell where somebody is or check up on them uh, mm-hmm. when, once people you know, disperse like that. But I, I, I'm wondering too, I mean, I know that there are people also who have either lost a spouse or, you know, maybe they've never gotten married. And like, this is the time of year where they're like, ah, everybody else has got somebody to go home with me. (laughs) Right. Uh, Mm -hmm. you've got, you've got some of those things going on, but also, uh, Kevin, I'm, I'm kind of wondering generationally down the line, 20, 30, 40 years from now, there are so many people from my generation and younger Mm-hmm. decided they don't want to have kids at all. They don't want to get married at all. And yeah. that's all good and well for your 20s and 30s and maybe 40s while you're out and partying and living the dual income, no kids life or the, mm-hmm. the bachelor existence. But after that, uh, who who is tied to you who yeah. has like a family obligation to see if you're okay? I mean, it's a, it's, I, I'm, I'm, I'm right. very worried about where this might go. Yeah, and I think the good part about the digital connection is it does help people who are isolated or homebound or have mobility issues that we can still reach out and be connected through support groups and check in and still have relationships. But it's not a complete substitute. I mean, I'm I'm the minority opinion in my field at this point that uh, telehealth, you know, cannot possibly uh, replace a person to person. That's right. I got your back situation. on that one. <laughs> okay. Yeah. But I think that, my very you know, unprofessional like, opinion. Yeah. Okay. But, but here, and I think it applies to our churches too. Like it's necessary right now that parishes merge and work together and consolidate uh, to, re- to preserve resources and all that. But, but some of our parishes are so large right now, it's easier and easier to fall between the cracks. We, we don't know anybody there. And it takes an effort. And, you know, if, you know, a question is, if some older person at our parish stopped coming to their regular 7 a.m. mass or, you know, 10 o'clock on Sunday, who would notice? Who would check up on them? Who would even think about that? And I think that's that should make us a little uncomfortable. One of the other things that might, you know, disturb our conscience a little bit is in the Netherlands, it's been the secular social agencies after this woman's death, you know, where she wasn't discovered for 10 years, that started a whole campaign across the country, one against loneliness, and a, and a lot of different things, putting young people in touch with seniors, visiting, 
um, even working with some of the grocery stores to have, you know, get, get rid of the self-checkout, have one counter that's just for people 60 and older who want to come through and don't want to rush and maybe want to chat with the cashier. So in our country, well, that's not efficient. Uh, and it costs too much money. Mm. Uh, but I think there are some initiatives from the secular realm. So the article in the BBC that I saw that described this didn't really talk about what the church is doing there. So what could we do? Pope Benedict had a great suggestion uh, in his senior years is that maybe on Sunday, you know, Sunday is the day, obviously, the Lord's Day given to worship, but also to service, to charity, so that maybe to think about it, and this is what he challenged us to do, you know, a number of years ago, is maybe our families to dedicate some part of Sundays or some Sundays in the month to visiting a nursing home, checking in on on older neighbors, uh, making a visit to the jail if that's uh, if that's within our comfort zone, so that we go out, you know, go out to the margins. And there's people we don't have to go across the world to find people in the margins. They're right here in our cities. Uh, so I think those are things to, to think about. It's kind of another inventory or an examination of consciences. Maybe I'm doing that already, which is great. And what does the Lord want me to do? And I think it ties right in with Christmas, that a lot of the Christmas the nativity stories in Matthew and Luke are about people who are poor and abandoned and uh, isolated and older and neglected. Uh, and the Christ child comes as a sign of hope and inspires us to do the same. Yeah, who are the who are the first people that get invited to the the stable in Bethlehem? It's people who are, are uh, working nights. Yeah, <laughs> right. right. Yeah, <laughs> by themselves in the fields. So yes, a very great thing to reflect upon. Kevin, uh, I almost called you Kevin Schmeezing. We got so many Kevin's <laughs> Kevin Prendergast. Merry yeah. Christmas. We'll talk to you in the new year. Hey, thanks, Matt. God bless. I, I love all the Kevins around here. It's a great thing. Uh, truly, our bounty hath increased. Kevin Fold. Back with another full hour after this. It's three till. I'm Father Rob Jack. Join me this afternoon for Driving Home Debate, where Ed Clancy will share the latest news from aid to the church in need. Father Paul Sullins will discuss the Ruth Institute's study on conversion therapy. I'll begin my reflection on the fifth O Anaphon, O Rising Sun from on High, the frequent traffic and weather to get you home safely. That's this afternoon beginning at 4 on Sacred Heart Radio. You're on the road to praise the King. Why wait in endless lines at the pharmacy when Brozart Pharmacy, a proud supporter of Sacred Heart Radio, can fill your prescriptions in a timely manner with high quality. Brozart Pharmacy, fast, friendly service without the wait at brozartpharmacy.com. Support for Sacred Heart Radio is from Hoting Realtors, trusted and recommended by generations of families to sell their homes. Licensed in Ohio, Kentucky, and Indiana. Hoting Realtors, 513-451-4800 and at hoting.com. Support for Sacred Heart Radio is from Sunset Janitorial Supply, a Catholic family business supplying the tri-state cleaning industry with commercial cleaning supplies, personal hygiene, equipment, and even machine repair. Free delivery to your business. More information at sunsetjanitorialsupply.com. Every day, members of St. Vincent de Paul, Cincinnati, Answer Christ Call, providing spiritual, emotional, and material assistance to neighbors in need. You can help when you donate your unwanted clothing, furniture, household items, or car. 
Visit 421care.org. Support for Sacred Heart Radio is from Trinity Church Supply, providing church supplies and religious gifts worldwide. From Catholic greeting cards, books, and willow tree to sterling silver medals, rosaries, sacramental gifts, and statues. Trinity Church Supply, 5479 North Bend Road. Start your new year with purpose. Gate of Heaven Cemetery of the Archdiocese of Cincinnati is here to help you understand church teachings to assist your loved ones tomorrow by thinking ahead today. Gate of Heaven Cemetery's free pre-planning seminar is on Tuesday, January 23rd, offering three time slots for your convenience, 11 a.m., 2 p.m., or 6 p.m. For reservations, 513-489-0300 or email community at gateofheaven.org. Offering Catholic retreats based on Ignatian spirituality, the Jesuit Spiritual Center invites you to a weekend of prayer and renewal. As you begin a new year, take time to slow down, refocus, and experience the peace of Christ that surpasses all understanding. Register now at JesuitSpiritualCenter.com. JesuitSpiritualCenter.com. That's JesuitSpiritualCenter.com. JesuitSpiritualCenter.com. This is Father John Paul Walker, pastor of St. Gertrude in Madeira. Thank you for listening to Sacred Heart Catholic Radio. 740 WNOP Newport, 910 WPFB Middletown, or get the app, stream, podcast, and more at sacredheartradio.com. Continue through this season of Advent with just a few days to go on this Thursday, December the 21st. Let's pray together in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Lord, come and reward your people's hope. You came forth from the bosom of the Father to clothe yourself in our humanity. Bring joy to those who long in faithful prayer to see your face. You came to start a life the prophet prepared to announce your coming to the world. Stir to joy those you have appointed to preach the gospel in our day. You came to fulfill the promise made to Israel. Grant perseverance to those who live according to your promised kingdom. O God, during this season of hope, you call your beloved people to arise in joy, to greet the celebration of the coming of your Son as the promised Messiah. Free us from all that would keep us from looking forward with eagerness to his return and glory. We ask this through Christ our Lord, whose advent we hail. Amen. It is a better way to continue through the season of Advent. I know a lot of people have already shifted gears. Christmas parties already happening. Christmas pageants and stuff already happening. And that's all good and well. It's uh, A lot of us are seeing each other for the last time before Christmas. But we still have Advent. We still got some stuff to sort out. We still got some quiet to strive for and some peace and silence. It is the Sunrise Morning Show. I'm Matt Swaim. Anna Mitchell has news. Paul Lockman at the controls. And up this hour, Dr. John Bergsma has more on Ephesians and what it shows us about the love between God and his people. Rita Heikenfeld will talk about the 12 days of Christmas, which don't actually start until Christmas. And she has a recipe for a pomegranate vinaigrette, which sounds very festive and will be a great thing to like uh, dress up a, a common salad this Christmas for your Christmas feast. Gary Machuda has more thoughts on uh, how we can believe the reliability 
of the gospel accounts, and then Ken Craycraft along as well. So stay with us if you can. Right now it is two minutes past. News a service of Central Fabricators and centralfabricators.com. Here's Anna Mitchell. Good morning. The Senate has closed up shop for the year, the year and does not have a deal to provide funding, more funding for Ukraine. The Senate adjourned yesterday and will reconvene on January 8th. In the meanwhile, Senate and White House negotiators plan to hold virtual meetings on an emergency foreign aid package over the Christmas and New Year's break. Pope Francis, at his general audience yesterday, reiterated his calls for peace in Ukraine and in the Holy Land. After reflecting on the nativity scene during his catechesis, he connected it with the work of peace, asking the faithful to go to the crib and ask Jesus for peace. He is the Prince of Peace, he said. In these days, we will see God lying in a manger. This is the strongest message of peace for the life of each one of us and for the world today. The Holy Father also offered his prayers for all affected by a deadly earthquake this week in China. From Vatican Radio, Joseph Tollock reports. I turn my thoughts to the victims and those injured in the devastating earthquake that struck the Chinese provinces of Gansu and Qinghai on Monday. I am close with affection and prayer to the suffering people. I encourage the emergency services and invoke the blessing of the Almighty upon all so that he might bring comfort and relief in their sorrow. At least 131 people died in the magnitude 6.2 earthquake, which struck just before midnight on Monday, and nearly 1,000 were injured. Survivors had to contend with temperatures of minus 13 degrees Celsius, or around 9 degrees Fahrenheit. The Chinese government has announced that its rescue operations are coming to an end, and that it is now focusing on treating the injured and helping those who have lost their homes. I'm Joseph Tullock. Pope Francis reflected on the nativity scene, saying it teaches simplicity and joy. The Holy Father was reflecting on the original scene created by St. Francis 800 years ago. He said that St. Francis was seeking to, quote, provoke amazement at the extreme humility of the Lord, at the hardships he suffered for love of us in the poor grotto of Bethlehem. He said the nativity scene was created to bring us back to what truly matters, to God who comes to dwell among us. The FTC is proposing new rules that would put more limits on tech companies' collection of children's data. In announcing the proposed rules yesterday, the FTC chair said kids must be able to play and learn online without, quote, being endlessly tracked by companies looking to hoard and monetize their personal data, end quote. The proposed rule changes would bar tech companies from keeping data indefinitely and would require education tech companies to get school approval to collect kids' data. The immigration crisis is apparently exploding on the U.S. southern border. Mark Mayfield reports. Border agents report a record 14,000 migrants showed up to Eagle Pass, Texas on just one day this week. A new record and a growing problem for a city of just 30,000 residents. Republican Congressman Tony Gonzalez, who represents Eagle Pass, tweeted, President Biden has abandoned border communities like mine. Republican senators are tying any aid to Ukraine to the border crisis. I'm Mark Mayfield. The U.S. is agreeing to a prisoner swap deal with Venezuela. The Biden administration will release a close ally of Venezuelan President Nicolas Maduro in exchange for 10 Americans detained in the country. 
The agreement includes the return of six Americans who were deemed wrongfully detained. Venezuela has also agreed to extradite Leonard Glenn Francis, a former defense contractor who's at the center of one of the Navy's largest corruption cases and fled the U.S. An additional 20 Venezuelan political prisoners will also be released from custody. And the highest grossing movies of 2023 have been revealed. Matt, any guesses? Uh, Barbie and Oppenheimer. Barbie, yes. Nothing topped Greta Gerwig's Barbie, which raked in more than $1.4 billion since hitting theaters in July. You are correct. Christopher Nolan's drama Oppenheimer was number two. Okay. You were wrong about Uh, number three. The Spider-Verse. The Super Mario Brothers movie Uh, was number three. And then some other... I don't even see Spider Verse. Um, the well, the only other ones that my story here mentions in the top ten: Mission Impossible, Dead Reckoning Part One, Fast X, and Ant Man. Oh, that's the latest and Fast and the Furious. Ant Man and the Wasp: Quantumania. I'd never heard of those last. I'm way behind on Marvel. I. Uh, I canceled Disney Plus a little while back, and now I'm like 500 movies behind in Marvel. I'm sorry. And I think I'm okay. Are you okay? Same with Star Wars. I just, I don't know. I don't have any idea what's happening out there. And I I feel okay. I still want to see Barbie. Only movie I've got on my schedule to watch in the next week, Anna Mitchell, is Ernest Saves Christmas. Everything else can wait. Muppet Christmas Carol? Oh, yeah, we'll get to that, too. But Ernest is my priority. Oh, okay. Well, today is Thursday, December the 21st. It is the feast of St. Peter Canisius, a bishop and doctor of the church. Pray for us. It is also my godson's birthday. Happy birthday, Zeke Swaim. Wow. 12 years old. Big year. Big year. Dr. John Berksma back with us now on the Sunrise Morning Show. He's author of Love Basics for Catholics. Good morning, Doc. Good morning, Anna. So we are continuing to unpack St. Paul's teaching on marriage and the church in the letter to the Ephesians. Now, to start off today, Doc, just remind us how the church is both the body of Christ and a temple. Yes, you see both languages being used in Ephesians, and and Paul will mix them up. He'll say things like, you know, a temple that grows or a body that's built, you know, and it, he'll mix the metaphors back and forth. Um, and this is a beautiful theme that runs all through Scripture, going all the way back to uh, Adam you know, whose who's rib, I don't know if we've talked about this on the show. but Yeah, I wanted to ask about this. This is fascinating. Yes, yes. The the word used for Adam's rib is is really an architectural term, like uh, like you would call it a stud in, uh, in contracting, you know, a two-by-four that you put up to brace, you know. That's the kind of word that's used for rib back there, oh, and, wow. and it's almost only ever used uh, when talking about building the temple, 
in the Old Testament, but it points to Adam's body being an original temple, so his body was, because the Holy Spirit breathed into Adam's nostrils, right? So Jesus is new Adam, you got all that going on there. John 2.21, he spoke of the temple of his body, uh, and then we're the body, because we eat his body through the Eucharist. So this, you know, you could see that you could just walk around this mystery and view it from all these different perspectives, but uh, the Church is closely united to Christ uh, in in a marital covenant, and we are His body, where we, we share His nature. And so Paul goes back and forth between temple and body uh, when talking about the Church and Jesus' relationship to it. Now then, what are the implications for us as members of this church, which is both body and temple? Well, one of the implications that St. Paul draws out is that every one of us is important in Ephesians 4, and each of us needs to do our part within the body. And this is something he emphasizes elsewhere in uh, his epistles, like in Corinthians, where he says, you know, the hand cannot say to the eye, I have no need of you, and and uh, things of that nature. But every one of us has a place within the body of Christ, and we may be a ligament, we may be a muscle, we may be a bicep, uh, whatever it might be, but we have to do our part. You know, it's kind of one of those uh, weakest link kinds of uh, things. You know, when you go to the gym, all of your muscle groups may be working fine when you're trying to do that pull-up, but if you got, you know, one weak muscle that uh, that tears, it can it can bring the whole process down. And so, you know, we need to cooperate within the one body of Christ, and then within that, of course, uh, Christian spouses have a particularly special role because we have an iconic. Um, role to play in exemplifying that marital relationship between Jesus and his church. Absolutely. And I want to spend a whole separate segment talking about that particular part um, in Ephesians 5, because obviously we know there's a lot of confusion over what St. Paul is actually saying there. But Let's lay the groundwork for that next discussion that we'll have on that. Um, I'm, first of all, going to read what you were just mentioning here in in Ephesians 4, where uh, he's talking about how we need to have—it talks about the stature of the fullness of Christ, so that we may no longer be children tossed back and forth and carried about with every wind of doctrine— by the cunning of men, by their craftiness and deceitful wiles, rather speaking the truth in love, we are to grow up in every way into him who is the head, into Christ, from whom the whole body, joined and knit together by every joint with which it is supplied, when each part is working properly, makes bodily growth and upbuilds itself in love. Now, the reason I read that is to ask how that then plays into what we'll talk about the next time. And this idea of of subordination, wives be subordinate to your husbands, um, is the controversial phrase, right, Dr. Bergsma? But yeah. how are we meant 
to be subordinate, or maybe you can give us a better translation of what St. Paul is saying there, um, to each other as, as Christians? Yes, this is a general virtue, this virtue of placing yourself under. In Greek, it's a word, hupotasomai. Don't expect anybody to remember that. Hupotasomai. <laughs> Not hippopotamus. Hupotasomai. That's right. It means it means to place yourself under another one, another person. It means to defer to them, you know, to, to allow them to go first, uh, for example. And and in some cases, um, Anna, it even has a sense of self-entrustment, you know. I entrust myself to another person, and that's especially how it, uh, it it comes out later when we'll talk about that marital relationship. But I think before we get into talking about wives entrusting themselves to their husbands or subordinating themselves, as it's often translated, we have to recognize that this is a general virtue. It's not just like only women are called to do this. It's like every Christian believer is called to subordinate themselves to other believers. That is to say, look look to others' interests before your own. Practice what John Paul II calls, you know, the the, uh, the mystery of the self-gift, you know. That is to say, give oneself away, uh, put others' interests before uh, one, one's own, and, and learn how by giving ourselves away, we really emulate God, because this is one of the unique things about our faith, that in the Catholic faith, we come to understand that God is not this monarch uh, ruling and dictating over the world, although, yes, he has all authority, but primarily God is one who gives himself away. The Father gives himself to the Son, the Son gives himself back to the Father, and the self that they exchange is the Holy Spirit. So when we learn to lay down our lives, we're becoming godlike. That is an amazing message of the Christian faith. Absolutely. Doing it all out of reverence for Christ. We'll leave it there for now. Encourage folks to go pick up a copy of Love Basics for Catholics. You can find it linked at sunrisemorningshow.com. Doc, thank you so much. Absolutely. Talk to you next time. All right, it's 17 past. Back with headlines after this. The Christmas Means Life campaign encourages you to add another person to your Christmas list, the baby Jesus, as represented by women and children in need by making a donation to your local pregnancy center. Another option is to support the JP2 Life Center, committed to saving lives with free pregnancy help services, holistic OBGYN care, and education programs. Find out more at jpiilifecenter.org. That's jpiilifecenter.org. Because Christmas means life. For over 500 years, the church-honored spiritual exercises of St. Ignatius of Loyola have formed many saints. This treasured way of personal prayer with God is now available to you for free. Order your free training manual at lordteachmetopray.com and bring Ignatian prayer to others. Lord Teach Me to Pray is approved by the USCCB. Order your free training manual at lordteachmetopray.com. That's lordteachmetopray.com. Lord Teach Me to Pray underwrites the Sunrise Morning Show. 
Business owners are starting to think outside the box to find new customers. You can reach millions of engaged Catholic listeners by underwriting the Sunrise Morning Show. Each weekday morning, listeners across the U.S. and around the globe can hear your message for your business, ministry, or nonprofit on the Sunrise Morning Show. To find out how it works, email me, Leah, at sacredheartradio.com. That's Leah at sacredheartradio.com. EWTN Radio is seeking an assistant to the operations manager in overseeing broadcast content in Radio Master Control. This candidate will ensure delivery of our Catholic audio programming while actively monitoring the on-air signals of a number of automated and live playout systems. For all the details about this exciting opportunity, visit EWTN.com and click on Employment at the bottom of the page to be part of Mother Angelica's mission of evangelization. 19 past. Here's Anna with headlines. The Senate has adjourned for the year and have not reached a deal on funding for Ukraine. Pope Francis reflected on the nativity scene during his catechesis and afterwards connected it with the work of peace at his general audience, asking the faithful to go to the crib and ask Jesus for peace around the world. The Holy Father also offered his prayers for all those affected by a deadly earthquake this week in China. News coming up again at half past the hour. Here's about 11 minutes from now. Uh, Anna Mitchell, yesterday Bill Schmidt was on the show talking about the song, I Wander As I Wander. Mm -hmm. I Wonder As I Wander. And some of the lyrics and what it means to wonder and wander properly in Advent. And immediately after we hung up with him, you started talking about your frustration with the grammar. Yeah. Of the song, which says how Jesus the Savior did come for to die for poor ornery people like you and like I. When it should be like me, yeah. grammatically speaking. Exactly. Bill wanted to suggest a follow-up discussion with you oh. about the grammar in the song. He says, uh, and I'm n- noting from an email he sent me. He says, uh, I'll start a campaign to change it to how Jesus the Savior, he died on a tree for poor ordinary people like you and like me. Bill Schmidt. See, there you nicely go. Nicely done, man. Love it. I'm not as bothered by that. I told him I'm much more bothered by, like, when they change the words in joy to the world to make them inclusive, but they kill the poetry. Mm-hmm. So where it says, let men their tongues employ, it gets changed sometimes to let us our songs employ. It just take the percussive, like, <clears throat> poetic. I don't know. Like, mm-hmm. I still sing the old way. It's 21 past. As we come to the end of another year, would you consider a special gift to Sacred Heart Radio? Your gifts enable us to be a light shining in the darkness, to proclaim the good news that Christ has come and that Christ will come again. We'd be so grateful for any amount you can give, and it's tax deductible. Visit sacredheartradio.com and click donate. Use the Venmo app at Sacred Heart Radio, or just send in the envelope included with the Christmas newsletter. Thank you so much, and may God bless you and yours in this Christmas season. Support for Sacred Heart Radio is from Twin Dental of Cincinnati. Since 1986, twin brothers, doctors David and Michael Rothen, have been providing superior dental care in a relaxed and comfortable setting for the entire family. The twin dental doctors utilize advanced dentistry techniques from sedation to implants and the latest in cosmetic options to preserve and beautify smiles. Twin Dental, located just off the I-275 exit at Hamilton Avenue. 
for a complimentary evaluation. 513-825-6111 and online at twindental.com. Support for Sacred Heart Radio is from Hoting Realtors. Equipped with the latest technology and market knowledge, Hoting Realtors can make the buying and selling process easier. 513-451-4800 and Hoting.com. I'm Bill Torbeck of Tri-State Abrasive and Tool Company, proud to support Sacred Heart Radio. We strive to provide the highest quality diamond and CBN products manufactured by privately owned companies, enabling us to provide prompt and personal service and you to avoid the unnecessary cost and frustrations of dealing with bureaucracies. Find us online at theabrasiveone.com. That's the number one. Theabrasiveone.com. Theabrasiveone.com. Support for Sacred Heart Radio is from Delhi and Harrison Pet Centers with everything your pet needs from guppies to puppies. Offering curbside pickup in store and online shopping at DelhiPetCenter.com. That's DelhiPetCenter.com. It is time for Bible Foods with Rita Heikenfeld from AboutEating.com. And this time of year, there are so many different ways to talk about food and tradition and story and family and wrap it all together. Rita, good morning. Good morning. And you know how I love these legends. I do indeed. Let's talk about the 12 days of Christmas. Uh, This is a song that a lot of people don't realize. Uh, The 12 days of Christmas start at Christmas. And uh, some people over the years have tried to figure out ways to make those numbers of those things match different things that relate to our faith. So if you could uh, set the stage for us a little bit. Oh, sure. You know, that that Christmas song, The Twelve Days of Christmas, there's a legend um, behind it. And here it is. It's that the song was a sort of kind of secret catechism for kids um, that could be sung in public in England. Now, this is from like the 1500s, Matt, to the mid-1800s without fear of arrest because uh, sometimes during those times, Catholics in England uh, weren't permitted to practice their faith openly. And so the first one, the partridge in a pear tree, is, of course, Jesus. And then the true love that's mentioned um, in the song refers to God himself. And then the me, quote-unquote, receiving all the gifts, is every Christian. And what I love is that there's a passage in Luke 13 about how uh, a bird wanted to keep her kids safe under her wings, sort of like uh, Jesus said to Jerusalem, how often would I have sheltered thee under my wings? as a hen does her chicks, but you wouldn't let me. So I love that passage as well. And well, then, and of course, also, you know, you have the image of Christ, uh, you know, on a tree that is in every Catholic church, right? Uh, the, uh, the idea of the cross, the wood of the cross. I mean, there's so many layers to that analogy. But let's talk about the two turtle doves. Oh, I love this, too. The Old and the New Testaments. Doesn't that make sense? There you go. There you go. Then we got three French hens. Yeah, um, the three French hens, Matt, stand for faith, hope, and love. And then the four calling birds, those, of course, are the four Gospels. All right. Now, out of all the things that you've said so far, I feel like you'd probably be okay with some French hens. Um, <laughs> I, but I'm pretty sure that if Frank set you up with five golden rings, you'd be a lot happier. Well, I think so, because I've already got the hens, and I don't have five golden rings. Yeah. And um, the five golden rings uh, recall the Hebrew, which is the Torah, the law, the first five books of the Old Testament. So I love that, too. 
And then the six geese laying stand for the six days of creation. So that's just such a visual there, too. And then the seven swans a-swimming represent the seven gifts of the Holy Spirit, including one of my favorites, which I'm still trying to achieve, is wisdom. There you go. I need all the help I can get on that one. Uh-huh. Uh, and then the, we get to the eight maids of milking. The eight maids of milking uh, represent the eight beatitudes. Uh, there are so many great ones in the beatitude. I think um, this time of year around the world, you know, you and I are able to uh, go to Mass real easy. Mm-hmm. And uh, I know that there are so many Christians around the world for whom it is difficult or they face persecution and opposition. So when I hear blessed are those who are persecuted for uh, Jesus's name's sake. I always think of my brothers and sisters around the world who, who don't have the freedom that we do here to worship Christ publicly. Yeah, and that's a, a great way to remember that too. One of my favorites in the Eight Beatitudes is "Blessed are the peacemakers." Um, important now in this time, of course, too, because they shall be called children of God. Again, I think that's really. Um, pretty appropriate for this time. And then the nine ladies dancing are the nine fruits of the Holy Spirit. And one of my favorites, I want to know what yours is, mine is joy this time of year, just joy. Uh, I'm going to go with patience. (laughs) (laughs) I do that all the time, yeah. The fruits of the Spirit, depending on the the way I memorized the list, was love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. And Paul goes on to say in Galatians 5, Against these things, there is no law. There's no law against you being patient. Isn't <laughs> you know, that the truth? Um, how about the ten lords of leaping? Well, those are so familiar. Those, of course, are the Ten Commandments. I mean, again, such a great analogy there. And then the eleven pipers piping represent the eleven faithful apostles. So. And then the 12 drummers drumming, the 12 points of doctrine in the Apostles' Creed. And uh, rather than go through the whole thing, you should uh, go back and look at the Apostles' Creed and try and make it, turn it into bullet points, and you'll see those 12, those 12 things. You know, not a bad way to remember basically a whole bunch of important stuff about our faith by just learning one Christmas song. Mm-hmm, for sure, for sure. All right, so you've got a pomegranate vinaigrette. Uh, this is... This is great because pomegranates are a fun fruit to eat this time of year. They look cool in like a Christmas like fruit basket, uh, but they also are biblical. And uh, my guess is that this pomegranate vinaigrette that you're going to suggest uh, not only has some good like seasonal flavor to it, but probably also adds like some nice color to the table. Oh, it's beautiful. Red, the pomegranate seeds are red and really, really easy. Uh, you just take some pomegranate seeds, and if you don't have the seeds, you could use juice. Uh, put all this in a blender, the pomegranate seeds, some olive oil, some maple syrup, lemon juice, and white balsamic vinegar or uh, just white wine vinegar if you don't have the balsamic, a big squirt of Dijon mustard, salt and pepper, and you just whirl that in the blender, and it turns a lovely pink. And depending on your blender, it'll be either chunky or smooth, real smooth. Um, It makes a lovely dressing for Christmas because you've got the greens and then the red. And then I've got, of course, a tip on how to remove the pomegranate seeds on my site. You know, I've followed your advice on pomegranate uh, peeling <laughs> and seeding. Yeah. And I'm getting better, but I still make an awful mess of it every time I try and do a pomegranate. So, but I love them. They're oh, fun. Yeah. They're so cool looking on the inside. But uh, we've got this recipe for pomegranate vinaigrette from Rita Heikenfeld. It's right there in the show notes. The whole thing. 
at sunrisemorningshow.com. Click on over to About Eating and say hello to Rita. Rita, Merry Christmas. We'll talk to you in the new year. Uh, We sure will. And Merry Christmas to everybody at Sacred Heart Sunrise Morning Show. Half past the hour. Here's Anna with news. Good morning. The Senate has adjourned for 2023 and had no deal to to fund Ukraine. The Senate adjourned yesterday and will reconvene on January 8th. In the meantime, the Senate and White House negotiators plan to hold virtual meetings on an emergency foreign aid package over the Christmas and New Year's break. Secretary of State Antony Blinken is defending the U.S. position on the Israel-Hamas war. Mark Mayfield reports. During an end-of-the-year news conference, Blinken said that Israel has a right and obligation to defend itself against the militant group in Gaza. Israel and the U.S. have faced international criticism for resisting calls for a ceasefire as the civilian death toll rises. Blinken said while everyone would like to see the conflict end as soon as possible, it can't end with Hamas remaining intact with the capacity to attack Israel. He also questioned why the international community isn't demanding that Hamas lay down its arms and surrender. I'm Mark Mayfield. Pope Francis, at his general audience yesterday, reiterated his calls for peace in the Holy Land and in Ukraine. After reflecting on the nativity scene during his catechesis, he connected that with the work of peace, asking the faithful to go to the crib and ask Jesus for peace. He is the Prince of Peace. He said, in these days, we will see God lying in a manger. This is the strongest message of peace for the life of each one of us and for the world today. The Holy Father also offered his prayers for those affected by a Chinese earthquake. At least 130 people have been killed. The magnitude 6.2 earthquake struck northwest China Monday night, leaving nearly 1,000 injured in remote mountainous villages. Chinese authorities said Tuesday that rescue teams were working in sub-zero temperatures to help the injured and those who had lost their homes. Local officials say thousands of buildings were damaged and dozens of roads buried by landslides. Pope Francis at the general audience expressed his closeness to those who are suffering. In his catechesis, he focused on the the first nativity scene created by St. Francis 800 years ago. From Vatican Radio, Christopher Wells reports. What was the saint's intention in organizing a living nativity in the small Umbrian town of Greccio? The Pope asked. Francesco non vuole realizzare una bella opera d'arte, no, no. St. Francis, he explained, wasn't trying to create a beautiful work of art, but through the nativity scene to provoke amazement at the extreme humility of the Lord, at the hardships he suffered for love of us in the poor grotto of Bethlehem. Pope Francis went on to identify two chief characteristics of the nativity scene, soberness or simplicity, and joy. The first characteristic contrasts with the hustle and bustle of the holiday season that too often leads to dissipation of heart. Instead, the nativity scene was created to bring us back to what truly matters, our relationship with God and our relations with other people. But the Pope continued, the nativity scene of Greccio speaks not only of simplicity, but also of joy. The joy of Christmas, he said, doesn't come from sumptuous presents or lavish celebrations, but instead is the joy that overflows from the heart that has tangibly experienced the closeness of Jesus, the tenderness of God, who does not leave us alone, but stands with those who feel alone. Pope Francis concluded his audience by comparing the nativity scene to a well from which we can draw out the nearness of God, the source of our hope and joy. 
It's like a living gospel, he said, a domestic gospel. And like the well in the Bible, the nativity scene is a place of encounter where we bring to Jesus the expectations and worries of life, just as the shepherds of Bethlehem and the people of Gretchen did in their time. I'm Christopher Wells. The FTC is proposing new rules to put more limits on tech companies' collection of children's data. In announcing the proposed rules yesterday, FTT, FTC Chair Lena Khan said kids must be able to play and learn online without, quote, being endlessly tracked by companies looking to hoard and monetize their personal data. And a storm packing a lot of Pacific moisture will dump heavy rain from Southern California to Arizona from now through the end of the week. Forecasters say the storm could pour out a month's worth of rain over the next few days, leading to major travel problems, flooding and debris flow. Some parts of Southern California coast might catch even more rain than what Hillary delivered back in August. That's the news. It's 35 past the hour. Sacred Heart Radio is brought to you by you. Yes, your donations make Catholic Radio possible. So to give a gift of any amount, please visit sacredheartradio.com and click donate or call 513-731-7740. And thank you. This is Chris Knockelman, owner of Schneller Knockelman Plumbing, Heating, and Air. Our family has been a proud supporter of Sacred Heart Radio for more than a decade, and we encourage other businesses to do the same. Find us at skpha.com, skpha.com. St. Vincent de Paul, Northern Kentucky, understands the importance of a helping hand when life becomes difficult. Through the grace of God and the amazing generosity of volunteers and donors, St. Vincent de Paul, Northern Kentucky has been able to provide over $200,000 in rent and utility assistance to nearly 2,000 neighbors in need in the last 12 weeks alone. The prayer is to continue to faithfully serve those in need well into the future. To learn how you can help, visit svdpnky.org and follow along on social media. It's 24 minutes before the hour on this feast of St. Peter Canisius, Thursday, December the 21st. Your forecast is brought to you on Sacred Heart Catholic Radio by Schneller Knockman Plumbing, Heating, and Air. Online at skpha.com. Looks like it's going to be even warmer today. Right now, temperatures in the upper 20s as you're heading out the door. For Cincinnati, it'll be mostly cloudy skies today with a high of 50 degrees. Mostly cloudy tonight with an overnight low of 31. Mostly cloudy with a slight rain chance tomorrow and a high of 52 degrees. For the Miami Valley-Dayton area, a mix of clouds and a little sun today with a high of 50 degrees. Mostly cloudy tonight with an overnight low of 33. Mostly cloudy skies tomorrow and a high around 52 degrees. This is Sacred Heart Catholic Radio, 740 a.m., 9, 10 a.m. Make an end of your donation online at sacredheartradio.com. The Sunrise Morning Show continues. I'm Matt Swaim, joined now by Gary Machuda from Hands On Apologetics. And he has got a book called The Gospel Truth that helps us to understand why the gospel accounts are trustworthy. Gary, good morning. Morning, Matt. So I've heard a bunch of different variations on this argument. I've interestingly enough uh, heard it as an argument against the deuterocanonical books (laughs) as well. Uh, But I've also heard a lot of... Atheists and progressives say, well, you know, how are we supposed to know? We, 
you know, the things that we have, the Gospels, they were probably written way later. We probably don't have the original things that were written. We don't even have that many accounts. So how can we know that it's true? Uh, I mean, how do we answer that that idea that, well, we just don't have a ton. We've just got these four reliable books, so maybe it's not true. Yeah, well, um, it, what you look at is, and, and we've been going over this over the past few weeks, of looking at how the, the data that we do have, right? Um, now, if you're talking about the early church, uh, there's a lot. Of, I mean, we only have so many writings that have survived the ages, and the the way you can find out what was the original is, is basically a three step process. You look for something that can be traced all the way back, so you're looking for antiquity. You're also looking for something that's found in every place, so it's called ubiquity, and then you're looking for consensus because. That which was originally handed on was copied and distributed, you know, throughout the known world. And those are the earmarks for whether it's authentic because, uh, obviously, it, it couldn't possibly be by chance that everywhere around the world there was a consensus that it went all the way back that was erroneous, right? There has to be some sort of unifying factor that explains that that phenomenon, and, and the only uh, the, the most reasonable one is that that all comes from the same source. So we can trace our way backwards through history to what the original had. Well, and I think also there's a presumption. Well, like all kinds of things that uh, we think about in our day and age, we sort of map our modern, postmodern understanding of them back on to previous generations and just assume that ancient Christians thought exactly like we did, meaning that if uh, I handed you, uh, you a piece of paper, Gary, I was like, write this down, this stuff. You're going to make like your own sort of notes on it, and that's what you're going to keep, right? Mm-hmm. But if somebody hands you and something and says, this is a letter from Paul, I need you to transcribe it for me. I mean, there are people who like this is like their whole career is making sure that these things are copied correctly. Yeah, 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 absolutely. Yeah, it's a very different world um, in the, the – um, uh, when we're talking about scripture, and, and we've gone through this, uh, that there was actually a mechanism that disciples would pass on information from the rabbis. Uh, copying process, likewise, is very important. And, uh, you know, where I think Matt, most people get tripped up is that they, they often look for uniformity rather than consensus. You know, you can still witness to the truth, although you might not be as precise Nevertheless, that that still is a valuable indicator of what is true. Yeah, and we see this too. I mean, where uh, you know, I think the example we've used a lot of times uh, here is that we can tell a story of something funny that happened in our family, and someone will tell a piece of it, and someone will say, "Oh, you left out this other part." You know, this what the real reason it was funny was because so and so was doing this. Like uh, these are the ways that we tell stories. Uh, even in our own day and age. Uh, But the other objection that you sometimes might hear is that if Jesus was this big of a deal and he really was, quote-unquote, the Messiah, then why why are we missing massive chunks of his life? How come we don't have, uh, during some of these uh, events where he has these encounters with people, these parables are only like three sentences long, right? These 
healings are only a few sentences long. Like, if it was true, wouldn't we have a lot more thorough accounts and descriptions of what happened? I mean, how do we respond to that? Yeah, well, I mean, you, you know, you, what you need to do is go by the data that you have on hand, not the data that you don't, right? So we, if you want to know whether or not these happen, well, we have data that it does happen. Now, would we want more data? Well, yeah, absolutely. We'd love to. But uh, but that's just not what we have on hand, you know. <laughs> Besides that, uh, like I mentioned before, Jesus tapped into this rabbi-disciple relationship. There was a community of believers in which this body of information was passed on. And like what you said, you know, there's always somebody out there that's a truth detector that if somebody gets a detail wrong or, uh, you know, something's augmented, they will pipe up. And if that's true for family stories, how much more true if the Son of God and King of Kings became man and dwelt with us, you know, you're going to make sure those details are correct and not be embellished rather than embellish them. Well, I'm trying to think of another recipe or another idea related to recipes, because this is a time of year where family recipes often happen. Now, there are certain Mm -hmm. things that have been passed down in my family, and uh, some of them may have originally existed on a three by five card. And that three by five card has had so much like butter and like, uh, <laughs> you know, paprika, <laughs> like it's, it's, it's destroyed. So what I have done in some cases is either write a new three by five card or type it out and put it in a binder. Now, if someone were to come along centuries from now and find that, they would say maybe, well, some sources say this recipe dates back to the early 20th century, but we don't have an original copy dating past 1995. So maybe 1995 is the date when we can actually say this recipe came into existence. But I know (laughs) that I wouldn't have written it down in 1995 unless it was existing for a few generations before me. And I have to think that the early Christians are probably the same way. Like sometimes those early things didn't survive. That doesn't mean they didn't exist that doesn't mean that the oldest copy we have right now is the oldest copy there ever was. Right, exactly. Yeah, it's, it's gone through various iterations. And, and you know, it, it's, that's actually it's a good analogy, but it, it doesn't really square with the facts that, you know, not only would there be one index card that had this recipe, but there would be multiple multiples ones, right, yes. right throughout your family. And so even if you just have a couple of index cards, if you're in the future looking back, you'd have to ask yourself, well, you know, where did this come from? Did they all just accidentally have exactly the same family recipe? Or, you know, is there a uh, common parent, you know, text that was originally made? Somebody actually came up with the recipe. And, you know, things just don't pop up everywhere simultaneously and all agree just by chance. You know, I love this quote from Tertullian where he says, like, uh, basically he says that chaos doesn't fall into order, right? Order always falls in the chaos. So if you have, you know, like I said, antiquity, consensus, and uh, ubiquity, uh, that shows that there must be a common underlier that's unifying these things together because you just don't all make the same mistakes the same way. Well, Gary Machuda, we've got hands-on apologetics linked at sunrisemorningshow.com. It's a fantastic resource. Uh, for all kinds of, well, hands-on 
apologetics, for lack of a better way of putting it, uh, including uh, over there you can find Gary's book, The Gospel Truth. Gary, thank you so much for everything you've done for us this year. We'll talk to you in the new year. Have a great day. Thanks, man. Merry Christmas. Merry Christmas to you. King Craycraft joins us next. It's a quarter till. For 150 years, the Komboni missionaries have followed in the footsteps of their founders and Daniel Komboni. We are an active missionary group sharing our deep faith in God through service to the poorest and most abandoned people around the world, satisfying both the physical and spiritual needs of the people in our mission. Please support our mission work with a generous year-end gift today. Thank you for your prayers and kindness. Give today at Kombonimissionaries.org. That is Kombonimissionaries.org. Are you longing to hear God's voice? Lord, teach me to pray. The free Ignatian prayer series will open your heart to his voice, to the peace you're seeking, and the only love that fulfills the human heart, Jesus. God is calling you to true joy by knowing Jesus personally. Lord, Teach Me to Pray is free. Just go to lordteachmetopray.com and click on the red box and order the Lord, Teach Me to Pray series. Again, that's lordteachmetopray.com. Got a coffee lover on your Christmas list this year? Give them the gift of Mystic Monk Coffee. The Carmelite Monks of Wyoming have a number of seasonal blends that would make for a great Christmas morning brew. And when you purchase it, after clicking the Mystic Monk link at sunrisemorningshow.com, you support the monks and the show. If your coffee lover is also a fan of the Sunrise Morning Show, pick up a mug or travel mug for them in our online store. Get a mug and link to Mystic Monk Coffee at sonrisemorningshow.com. That's sunrisemorningshow.com. He is honored by the church as a saint with the title Second Apostle of Germany. Matthew Bunsen and the Doctors of the Church. The Dutch-born Jesuit, St. Peter Canisius, was one of the key figures in restoring the Catholic faith in Germany during the Protestant Reformation. He is renowned for his catechism and also for his founding more than 40 universities that proved bastions of Catholicism across Central Europe. He died in 1597 and was named a doctor in 1925. To find out more, visit EWTN.com and click on Catholicism. This is Dr. David Anders. Are your friends or family discouraging you from becoming Catholic? We can help on Call to Communion this afternoon at 2 p.m. Eastern. Now back to the Sunrise Morning Show. 12 till, here's Anna with headlines. The Senate has now closed up shop for 2023 without reaching a deal on funding for Ukraine. Pope Francis, at his general audience yesterday, reflected on the nativity scene and then connected it with the work of peace, asking the faithful to go to the crib to ask Jesus for peace around the world. And in his, his, the Holy Father also offered his prayers for those affected by a Chinese earthquake earlier this week. You can hear news at the top and bottom of each hour right here on the Sunrise Morning Show. It's 12 till. Sunrise Morning Show legal, political, and sometimes cultural analyst Ken Craycraft back with us now. He's a professor at Mount St. Mary's Seminary, writes for the Catholic Telegraph and our Sunday visitor, among other publications. Ken, good morning. Good morning, Annie. Good to be with you. It is good to have you. And we are going to get a Christmas reading recommendation from you this morning from one of the most uh, famous authors associated with Christmas, Charles Dickens, uh, but it's not a Christmas carol as good a Christmas read as that is. You know, I have in my hands here, Ken, 
um, a book called The Christmas Books of Dickens. And there are quite a few uh, Christmas tales in here, including the one that you are recommending this morning, The Cricket on the Hearth. Give us the plot. Yeah, so The Cricket on the Hearth is one of, uh, he wrote several Christmas stories, and and for a period in the mid-1840s, five years in a row, he released a story right before Christmas, and those are collected in the Christmas stories. The most famous one, of course, is A Christmas Carol. Uh, The Cricket on the Hearth actually is not set at Christmas. The setting is late January, not Christmas. There's no mention of Christmas. Christmas is not a theme in the the, uh, short story. Nonetheless, it resonates with with Christian sensibilities and the spirit of Christmas, if we think about sacrificial giving and surprises and and, and all those things, the plot is is um, is a little bit complicated. So it's going to be difficult to summarize. But uh, basically, it's uh, a a a story of surprises, a story of unexpected uh, and and uh, extremely um, uh, surprising plot twists. That, uh, that go from seeming despair and seeming uh, complete uh, sadness uh, to uh, inexpressible joy. And that's not giving the story away. It actually, it's a Christmas story after all. But it's interesting uh, because it has so many characters and even plot twists that are so similar to A Christmas Carol. For example, if you're familiar with The Christmas Carol, you know the Cratchits, mm-hmm. uh, Tiny Tim uh, being the, the main one. Well, there are there are characters in uh, the Cricket on the Hearth that correspond very close to to the Crackets, the the Cratchits rather, uh, a uh, a toy maker and his blind daughter, and then of course um, the uh, the Fezziwigs in the Christmas Carol are this extremely lighthearted, fun loving uh, family who throw these lavish parties for Christmas and and they would laugh and and have so much fun. Well, they're very similar to the Peary Bingles in the uh, Cricket on the Hearth. The Peary Bingles uh, are. Love- his names. My goodness. <laughs> Isn't that a great name? Yes. The Peary Bingles, yes. And uh, and, and they're, they're such a, a joyous couple. Uh, but they go through a trial in the story, a very serious trial. And they're a married couple, uh, John and, and Dot, as he calls his wife, although her name is actually Mary. And they go, through, they go through a crisis. And Dickens takes us through the crisis in their marriage and sees how that crisis gets resolved. But the, thing, the, what, the wonderful thing about it is that it does get resolved. And again, I'm not giving anything away by saying that, but it gets resolved in a way that involves other people and get, brings joy and happiness and satisfaction to other people. And then it has its Scrooge, a man named Tackleton, who owns said toy shop uh, that uh, that Caleb uh, works in, the toy maker, uh, in, where he lives with his blind daughter. And his blind daughter works in the toy shop, too. So you have all of these very wow. uh, uh, very similar aspects to the Christ- uh, Christmas Carol, the uh, but Scrooge set in a very character? different way. The Scrooge character owns a toy shop. Wow. Yes, yes, but he yes, but he he does, but um, but he he makes his he designs his his toys so that they have mean faces and and scowls and things like that. And Dickens says that that one of the things that he loves to make are drums and cymbals and other instruments of torture. Wow. <laughs> <laughs> so many parents it sounds like a dr susan exactly. you know like the whoville uh, kids then yes. with the grinch as well <laughs> this is obviously not the the story from dickens that we associate with christmas and i mean a christmas carol is incredible and so it is rightfully 
um, taken the place yes. of of one of the ultimate Christmas stories. But this one, I had never even heard of it. So, <laughs> so can you talk about what it teaches us about the meaning of Christmas and why you would recommend that people pick this one up this Christmas? Yes, yes. So the first thing is, is that you get a, a, a very rich incarnational sense of the human experience and the human predicament. Grace is communicated throughout the story by people and by the presence of people. And of course, when we celebrate Christmas, we celebrate grace given and presented and made present by the presence of a person who makes it possible for us people to experience and communicate grace as well. And that's exactly what happens in this story. Grace is communicated by various characters and various characters' lives are transformed by the gracious presence of gracious people. So there's a strong incarnational uh, nature to it. And we also get a, a very strong sense of the nature of gra- of. Uh, of uh, of uh, generous giving, of gratuitous, that's what I was looking for, gratuitous giving, giving that expects nothing in return, which after all is the actual spirit of giving a gift. If we give a gift and expect something in return, it's really not a gift, it's a down payment. Yeah. But in uh, The Cricket on the Hearth, we have uh, a very strong sense of the cr- of the true gratuitousness of giving. That is, people giving of themselves, giving themselves and of themselves without the expectation of anything in return. And that's a virtue that's very difficult to develop. And its twin virtue is difficult to develop too, Annie, and that is receiving without feeling a felt need to give something in return. Mm-hmm. And that's also a theme that we uh, that emerges in the cricket on the hearth. So we have the incarnational presence of grace, we have gratuitous giving, and we have the people people teaching one another and learning virtue from one another in ways that resonate with the the, the story of Christmas. Grace coming through people and that grace being gratuitous gifts to people that make them better, that redeem them, uh, and that uh, lead them to lives of of fullness of virtue. And we see conversions in this story. uh, And and again, it's giving nothing away. We see a a radical conversion in A Christmas Carol, and we see a radical conversion in The Cricket on the Hearth. And Mm -hmm. even though it's not set at Christmas, it's a perfect Christmas story for all of those reasons. And and it's a story that I really encourage readers to take a half hour, 45 minutes, to take up and read because it's a heartwarming story. It's a story to read out loud around the fire at Christmas time and no one will be disappointed. Awesome. Well, thank you so much for that reading recommendation, Ken. He wrote about it at our Sunday Visitor. Uh, You'll probably find it in your local diocesan newspaper, actually. So go check it out there. Do a search for The Cricket and the Hearth, Ken Craycraft, and you can find it. You can find all of Ken's articles linked at sunrisemorningshow.com. Well, that'll do it for this national edition of the Sunrise Morning Show on this feast of St. Peter Canisius. And one last time, happy 12th birthday to Master Zeke Swaim, my godson. And uh, we will look forward to talking to the rest of you here on EWTN tomorrow morning. Last Sunrise Morning Show live show of 2023. May God bless you and keep you and grant you his peace. As you plan your end of year giving, please consider including Sacred Heart Radio. Your gift helps sustain our radio presence, not just for you, but including those who may tune into Catholic Radio for the first time in 2024. All gifts are tax deductible and help to share the good news of Christ and the culture of life across seven media platforms. 
To give a tax-deductible donation or set up a monthly pledge, visit sacredheartradio.com and click Donate or use the Venmo app at Sacred Heart Radio. And thank you for your support of Sacred Heart Radio. Start your new year with purpose. Gate of Heaven Cemetery of the Archdiocese of Cincinnati is here to help you understand church teachings to assist your loved ones tomorrow by thinking ahead today. Gate of Heaven Cemetery's free pre-planning seminar is on Tuesday, January 23rd, offering three time slots for your convenience, 11 a.m., 2 p.m., or 6 p.m. For reservations, 513-489-0300 or email community at gateofheaven.org. Support comes from On a Mission to Love. For books, handcrafted gifts for baptism, communion, confirmation, wedding, birthdays, and more, all deeply based in the rosary and devotion to our Holy Mother. Onamissiontolove.com. That's onamissiontolove.com. Pregnancy Center West is committed to protecting the unborn by encouraging women to see and choose the beauty of life while offering practical assistance for them and their families. Donate securely online at supportpcw.org. That's supportpcw.org. Offering Catholic retreats based on Ignatian spirituality, the Jesuit Spiritual Center invites you to a weekend of prayer and renewal. As you begin a new year, take time to slow down, refocus, and experience the peace of Christ that surpasses all understanding. Register now at jesuitspiritualcenter.com. JesuitSpiritualCenter.com. That's JesuitSpiritualCenter.com. JesuitSpiritualCenter.com. You rely on your car, so rely on the experts at Fort Mitchell Garage, a proud supporter of Sacred Heart Radio. They can do it all from brakes, tires, and heating and cooling to towing and collision repair and more. Fort Mitchell Garage on Dixie Highway and Park Hills. On the web at FortMitchellGarage.com. Support is from Solidarity HealthShare. Is inflation making you feel frustrated and out of control when it comes to your expenses? We have a solution. It's Solidarity HealthShare. With Solidarity HealthShare, you control what doctors you go to and how much you spend with pricing options that start as low as $384 for families. Take control of your health care and your budget with Solidarity HealthShare. 855-954-5688. Solidarity HealthShare. 855-954-5688. This is Deacon Mike Erb with St. Ignatius of Loyola Parish in Mumford Heights. Thank you for listening to Sacred Heart Radio. 740 WNOP Newport, 910 W. WPFB Middletown, or get the app, stream, podcast, and more at sacredheartradio.com. Continue on this Thursday, the 21st of December. I know that many of you all are struggling with chronic or acute illness, and this is going to be a very frustrating time of year to be sick. So let's pray a prayer to St. Jude for the sick in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. St. Jude, you witnessed the healing power of our Lord Jesus. You saw his compassion for the sick and dying. You yourself touched the sick, shared the sorrows of the mournful, and encouraged the despairing. You received this authority and healing power to work wonders, to cure the incurable, to make people whole. We ask you to intercede with Jesus to send his saving grace, to heal the sickness and suffering of all who are ill, to uplift their despondent spirits, and to instill hope in their hearts. Glory to the Father, and to the Son, and to the Holy Spirit 
as it was in the beginning, is now, and ever shall be, world without end. Amen. It is a better way to start a Thursday, the Sunrise Morning Show. Thank you for being along here on Sacred Heart Catholic Radio as we get closer and closer to the season of Christmas. But it is still Advent, and we're still going to do Advent things. Danielle Bean will be along this hour. Also, Father Boniface Hicks with more thoughts on personal prayer. We'll get some monk thoughts from Father Augustine Weta with more practical decision-making advice from the Desert Fathers. And then uh, some more thoughts on how to make the most of this last little bit of Advent before we hit Christmas over the weekend. Right now, it is two minutes past. News of service of Bridgetown Finer Meats and BridgetownFinerMeats.com. Here's Anna Mitchell. Good morning. The Israeli military says they found tunnels under, under Gaza City leading directly to the houses of senior Hamas officials. The military claimed that some of the tunnels are more than 60 feet below ground and have electricity, plumbing and surveillance cameras. In a statement, the military said the tunnels were used by senior Hamas officials for, quote, protected daily movement under Gaza City. Israel accuses Hamas of deliberately putting tunnels under civilians and using them as human shields, which Hamas denies. Israel and Hamas have been at war now since October 7th. Meanwhile, the Senate has closed up shop for the year without a deal on funding for Ukraine. The Senate adjourned yesterday and will reconvene on January 8th. There will be virtual meetings between Senate and White House negotiators over the break. Pope Francis, at his general audience, reiterated calls for peace in the Holy Land and in Ukraine. After reflecting on the nativity scene during his catechesis, he connected it with the work of peace, asking the faithful to go to the crib and ask Jesus for peace. He is the Prince of Peace, he said. The Holy Father also offered prayers for all affected by a deadly earthquake this week in China. From Vatican Radio, Joseph Tullock reports. I turn my thoughts to the victims and those injured in the devastating earthquake that struck the Chinese provinces of Gansu and Qinghai on Monday. I am close with affection and prayer to the suffering people. I encourage the emergency services and invoke the blessing of the Almighty upon all so that he might bring comfort and relief in their sorrow. At least 131 people died in the magnitude 6.2 earthquake, which struck just before midnight on Monday, and nearly 1,000 were injured. Survivors had to contend with temperatures of minus 13 degrees Celsius, or around 9 degrees Fahrenheit. The Chinese government has announced that its rescue operations are coming to an end, and that it is now focusing on treating the injured and helping those who have lost their homes. I'm Joseph Tullock. The FTC is proposing new rules to put limits on tech companies' collection of children's data. In announcing the proposed rules yesterday, FTC Chair Lena Khan said kids must be able to play and learn online without being endlessly tracked by companies looking to hoard and monetize their personal data. The proposed rule changes would bar tech companies from keeping data indefinitely and would require education tech companies to get school approval to collect kids data the immigration crisis is apparently exploding on the u.s southern border 
Mark Mayfield reports. Border agents report a record 14,000 migrants showed up to Eagle Pass, Texas on just one day this week. A new record and a growing problem for a city of just 30,000 residents. Republican Congressman Tony Gonzalez, who represents Eagle Pass, tweeted, President Biden has abandoned border communities like mine. Republican senators are tying any aid to Ukraine to the border crisis. I'm Mark Mayfield. Toyota is recalling more than a million vehicles for potential airbag issues. Toyota Motor announced the recall on Wednesday, saying a short circuit in a sensor could cause airbags to not properly deploy. The recall is for 2020 through 2022 model year vehicles, including various Corolla, Camry, Avalon, and Sienna hybrid vehicles. The automaker says it will start notifying owners about the recall in February. Dealers will inspect the sensors and replace them if needed. And consumer advice website WalletHub is out this week with its rankings of the best American cities in which to celebrate Christmas. WalletHub looked at the country's 100 biggest cities and considered 28 metrics in putting this list together, including the number of candy and toy stores per capita, the number of Christmas tree farms per capita, and each community's share of income donated to charity. Cincinnati ranks 13th in which the, the 13th best American city in which to celebrate Christmas. Can you guess what number one is, Paul Lockman? Um, so the North Pole is not on this list, correct? No, it's American cities. American cities. Um, is You're it, never it, it's guess not this. in Ohio. You're not gonna. Is guess. it like Santa Claus? No, is it uh Christmas New no. Mexico or no. something like that? Uh, Las Vegas, Nevada, Atlanta, Georgia. Hey, how about that? No, I would not have guessed that would have been like 48th. Of my guesses. I am guessing that Cincinnati's community share of income donated to charity is what launched Cincinnati to the, the top 15, to okay. number 13. This is my guess. All right. Yeah. Cincinnati, I, I mean this wholeheartedly, and this is not just a ploy to get donations, even though we are at the end of the year and Sacred Heart Radio could use your donations, but... Um, Cincinnati is so, so generous, so, so generous, particularly Cincinnati Catholics. But you hear about, um, for instance, the homeless shelter here in Cincinnati is one of the best in the country, apparently. You look around and you see these cities with people living in tents all over the place. And I know that there are, you know, those areas of Cincinnati as well. But, like, there is this incredible shelter because of the incredible generosity of Cincinnatians. So... Well done, Cincinnati. That is my take on why we are the 13th best American city in which to celebrate Christmas. How about that? Yeah. I don't know how many toy stores we have, so. Although I feel like I've been to every one of them in the past two weeks. <laughs> in any event. 8.08 now on the Sunrise Morning Show. Sports on Sacred Heart Radio brought to you by Dr. Robert Berger and Beacon Orthopedics and Sports Medicine. All right. It's official. Bengals have released their uh, updated injury report. And uh, this is just ahead of their uh, showdown with the Steelers. Jamar Chase missed his second day uh, straight of practice with his shoulder injury. Unlikely he will suit up against the Steelers. But uh, good news is uh, running back Chase Brown, he's been explosive of late. He was a full go at uh, yesterday's practice. Bengals sit at 8-6 and six and take on 
the 7-7 seven and seven Steelers on Saturday. About uh, week 16 of NFL action gets kicked off with the Rams taking on the uh, New Orleans Sea or New Orleans Seahawks. How about the New Orleans Saints? My goodness. Uh, how about this? Uh, again, Bengals are playing on Saturday as a part of a uh, doubleheader, I believe. If I'm not mistaken. Yeah, doubleheader. Buffalo and the Chargers would play after that. So uh, all eyes on them. How about this? Not good basketball real quick, Anna Mitchell. Xavier lost to uh, St. John's. They're 6-6. Six and six. But uh, good news, Dayton playing well. They won over Oakland 91-67. So that's good news. Ohio State is in action tonight facing New Orleans. Nice. Yeah, there you go. Um, I have breaking news. Sports news? No. Oh, all right. I won't hit the sports music. All right. Breaking news. Go go right ahead. Take it. Take a it away. A new superintendent of Catholic schools for the Archdiocese of Cincinnati has just been announced. Ryan Lopez? No. Wow. Matthew Daniels is his name. I'll uh, look more into, I just got the, the statement from the Archdiocese of Cincinnati, so I will uh, read up on him and have more in my next newscast, but he will start in July. Breaking news Breaking on the Sunrise news. Morning Show. Love to see it. Yeah. Hopefully, anyway. hopefully there's nothing breaking on the traffic report of things. <laughs> traffic, a service of Rose Automotive Premium nice Vehicles transition. on Erie Highway in Hamilton on the web at roseautomotivegroup.com. That's like my third good transition. Yeah, I know. And okay. I got nothing to report here. The interstate's all looking fine and green. Um, no accidents to report and no backups. We'll see how things go for Paul in the afternoon time. All right, now for weather. Good news here as well. Mostly cloudy and mild today in Cincinnati with a high of 50 degrees. Mostly cloudy tonight with an overnight low of 31. Mostly cloudy with a slight rain chance tomorrow, but still warm. A high of 52. For the Miami Valley-Dayton area, a mix of clouds and a little sun today and a high of 50. Mostly cloudy tonight with an overnight low of 33. Mostly cloudy again tomorrow and a high of 52 degrees. Today is Thursday, December the 21st, Feast of St. Peter Canisius, Bishop and Doctor of the Church, pray for us, and happy birthday to Zeke Swain as well, and his grandpa, by the way, and actually happy birthday to my grandpa, may he rest in peace. Danielle Bean back with us now on the Sunrise Morning Show. You can connect with her, invite her to speak or lead a retreat. Listen to her girlfriend's podcast all through her site, daniellebean.com. Good morning, Danielle. Good morning. How are you? I am doing fine. And we are continuing a discussion we started the last time together. That is how to find joy in Advent. And we're going to talk about this one point that you make in the podcast and that is control your thoughts. What do you mean by that? Yeah, I think too often we can fall prey to the idea that we are somehow victims of our thoughts, right? That we, we can't control them. And I frequently need to remind myself, and I hope to remind others as well, that you're the boss of your thoughts. You do control your thoughts. Yes, you can't help if a random anxiety pops into your mind or a thought temptation of some sort but you get to control whether or not you're going to think about that thing and you get to choose. And this is actually a really powerful thing when it comes to 
finding joy in the Advent season or any time or the level of happiness that we find in life because we can entertain negative thoughts or we can entertain positive thoughts. We can entertain holy thoughts or we can entertain unholy thoughts. We get to choose these things. So we need that reminder that every one of us is called to be responsible for the ways that we are occupying ourselves in our own interior lives. What is the difference between what you are describing just now and being naive about what's going on around you? (laughs) Spoken like a true realist. (laughs) I love that. Yeah, um, of course, it's not calling you to be naive. You're not, I'm not asking you to entertain some, you know, false form of reality in your mind when you're you're trying to be positive about things. You can fully recognize that the negative things in the world and they're very real and some people are going through very hard things during this season of Advent, which is meant to be joyful. So I completely understand that. But at the same time, God is good and we know the end of the story and that is part of what we are celebrating during this time of year is the coming of Christ, the gift of Jesus, the undeserved gift of Jesus, and the hope we have for eternal salvation as a result of that. In the end, it's a happy ending to the story, regardless of the difficult things that we might have going on around us. And even in the midst of very difficult things, there are positive things that we can pull away from them. There are positive things we can learn from them. There are people who love us and are helping us through them. There are always good things that we can focus on, even in the midst of hardness. And that takes a certain kind of vision, doesn't it, Danielle, to be able to find God even in the midst of of a situation that is bringing us anxiety or sadness or anger or whatever negative emotion you want to you want to put at the end of that sentence. Right. For sure it does. And it's something that you can get better at doing. So, you know, it's not like overnight, you know, snap your fingers and you're going to be perfect at doing this. This It's the kind of thing that it takes a lifetime to kind of practice and learn. And sometimes you don't recognize the, the presence of God and the good things that came out of a terrible situation until after the fact. Retrospect, you know, that 2020 perspective, you're able to see it. But you can get better at seeing it in the moment by practicing that and by praying for that. You know, if you're in the middle of something hard, God can work with where you are. He knows all about where you are physically, spiritually, emotionally right now. And you can turn to him in, in your difficulty and say, Lord, I know there, there are good things that you want me to focus on here. Help me to see them. Very simple prayer. Or, you know, say, God, I, I want to trust in you. Help me to trust in you. And that's a beautiful prayer. It's simple. It's humble. It is honest and raw. And you can go to God with wherever you are, and he can work with it. That's part of the beauty of prayer, that you don't have to have yourself all put together before you present yourself to God. He knows where you are, and he loves you and embraces you where you are. He's just waiting for you to turn to him in your need. And I often say that when we know how God operated in the past, we can better recognize how he is operating today. And that that can happen on so many levels you look at how he operated in the lives of the saints. You look at how he operated in the in in the lives of the people in Scripture. You know, whatever. But you can also look at your own life and remember the ways that God worked in your life. And you can fully expect him to do the same in the future. Absolutely. And that's a very good point. And I think it's really important to reflect on those times where you have felt God's presence in your life where something good has come out of something bad that you never would have chosen to happen in your life. 
And really a good way to make sure that you're paying attention to those things is to be writing things down, to be keeping a, a spiritual journal of sorts. It doesn't have to be elaborate, but maybe just writing down the things that you're praying about, the things that you're worrying about that are on your heart that you're bringing to God. Leafing back through that, you know, a year plus later, you can see the things that have been resolved and the good that has come out of it, even very hard things. And that's a beautiful way to grow in your relationship with God, to learn to trust him to know he's been good to you before and he's going to be good to you in this present moment as well. Well, Danielle, you mentioned earlier about how, you know, sometimes negative thoughts can just pop into our head. And, you know, this is often in reaction to some sort of stimulus. I don't know, waiting in a huge line because you procrastinated on your Christmas shopping and now you're, you know, shopping on the day before Christmas. Christmas Eve and trying to get it all done and you don't have enough time and so you're getting angry or maybe you're being launched into family situations that you don't want to be in but it's Christmas time and so you gotta go because it's your family you know these these stimulus like you know that they're going to be there so how do we ahead of time kind of convince ourselves to not dwell on those reactionary thoughts that will probably come in these circumstances. Well, I think, you know, you're saying ahead of time, that's kind of the key there, right? Like thinking about things that are going to be challenging ahead of time or just at the start of each day, you don't know what challenging things you're going to face. Be praying that morning offering every morning and asking God to give you grace in the midst of whatever challenges lie ahead for you is a beautiful way to embrace all that God has in store for you on any given day. But even in those moments, like when you recognize that, and you can get better at recognizing those moments or recognizing the beginning of those negative thought spirals, and just say a prayer to your guardian angel. Ask for ask mm-hmm. Mother Mary to help you to reframe your thoughts, take back control of your thoughts, and not just fall victim to a, a spiraling downward negativity regardless of whatever it is, if it's something you anticipated or not. Because the Prince of Peace is coming, and we have so many songs, so many Christmas carols talking about peace, right? Peace on earth, goodwill toward men. And there is nothing that Satan wants more than to rob us of our own personal peace, resting in the Lord, and our thoughts are an easy way to do that. Absolutely. I think, you know, spending some time this end of Advent preparing your heart for Christmas really means focusing on what that peace is and who brings it. And the gift of our Lord this time of year is really just a beautiful way to meditatively, prayerfully focus on the good things that you have in your life and the ultimate good that every one of us has, which is our Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. We've been talking to Danielle Bean, and you can find DanielleBean.com linked at SunriseMorningShow.com, where you can listen to her girlfriend's podcast about finding peace. And it's still not too late. We're right at the end of Advent, but there's still a couple of days that you've got to be able to find that peace and, uh, and end Advent and begin the Christmas season with that peace and that joy. Danielle, really appreciate your thoughts this morning. Thank you so much, and have a very merry and peaceful Christmas. Thank you, Anna. You too. Take care. God bless. Thanks. As peaceful as it can be with all those grandkids you got now. (laughs) Love it. Love it. That's the kind of non-peaceful situation that we love, the little kids running around the Christmas tree. All right, it's 20 past. we got traffic and weather coming up next. 
I'm Bill Torbeck of Tri-State Abrasive and Tool Company, proud to support Sacred Heart Radio. Diamond and CBN are the most advanced cutting tools because they are the hardest materials known. These enable you to machine three to eight times faster compared to carbide while reducing downtime for tool changes by 90%. Improve your productivity when machining hard, cast, and powdered metals or difficult to machine materials. Find out more at theabrasiveone.com. That's the number one, theabrasiveone.com. Food makes the party. And you can find the perfect party foods at Bridgetown Finer Meats, a proud supporter of Sacred Heart Radio. From mini sandwiches to their jumbo pretzel sandwich, meat and cheese or vegetable and relish trays, Bridgetown Finer Meats can make hosting a party a breeze. And choose your wine while you're there. The BFM Wine Shop has high-quality wines from all over the world. Bridgetown Finer Meats on Bridgetown Road, 513-574-3100, on the web at bridgetownfinermeats.com. Working to see the culture of life prevail in the Miami Valley, Dayton Right to Life is here to protect God's gift of life through law, education, and community action, from fertilization to natural death. Find Dayton Right to Life online at DaytonLife.org. That's DaytonLife.org. Support for Sacred Heart Radio is from Sunset Janitorial Supply, a Catholic family business supplying the tri-state cleaning industry with commercial cleaning supplies, personal hygiene, equipment, and even machine repair. Free delivery to your business. More information at sunsetjanitorialsupply.com. 22 minutes past the hour now, and this traffic report is a service of Larkin Cobb Chevrolet Buick and GMC in Eaton, Ohio, on the web at larkincobb.com. No accidents, no backups to speak of right now on the interstate. So let's take a look at weather. More good news there. Mostly cloudy skies in Cincinnati today with a high of 50 degrees. Mostly cloudy tonight and an overnight low of 31. Mostly cloudy tomorrow with a slight rain chance and a high of 52. For the Miami Valley Dayton area, a mix of clouds and sun today and a high of 50. Mostly cloudy tonight with an overnight low of 33. Mostly cloudy tomorrow and a high around 52. Now please pray with me the prayer for Ohio. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit, amen. Ever-living God, you give life and desire a future for all your children. Take hold of our nation, state, and community, and awaken in every heart awe for the gift of life. Send your spirit to strengthen us with wisdom and fortitude as we defend mothers and children in Ohio from laws that disregard their health and safety. Mary and Joseph trusted in you and welcomed Jesus into our broken world. Father, we ask their intercession to protect the preborn and their mothers and to guide all parents in raising their children. May they help us build a civilization of love by upholding the sacredness of life, preserving parental rights, and accompanying pregnant women in need. We ask this through Christ our Lord. Amen. Our Lady, Mother of the Family, pray for us. St. Joseph, Protector of the Unborn, Pray for us. Father Boniface Hicks joins us next. It's 24 past. I'm Guy. I'm Mara. And I'm Patrick. And we're the Cagney family with Coldwell Banker Realty. We support Sacred Heart Radio. And we help buyers and sellers trying to find their dream homes in Ohio, Kentucky, Indiana, and Florida. 513-347-1888 to talk to the Cagney family. Support for Sacred Heart Radio is from Molly Maid of Westchester. Insured, screened, and drug-free employees deliver service with a 100% satisfaction guarantee. 1-800-MOLLY-MAID or at mollymaid.com. Molly Maid, a clean you can trust. Support for Sacred Heart Radio is from J.C. Health Insurance agent George Justin. If you're turning 65, retiring, or simply have Medicare questions, George has answers. 
George is your pro-family, pro-life guide to Medicare, helping to simplify your transition by guiding you through the options to find a plan that meets your unique needs, all at no cost to you. Find out more from George Johnston at J.C. Health Insurance, 859-414-6591. That's 859-414-6591. Sacred Heart Radio is blessed to have the support of Larkin Cobb Chevrolet Buick GMC in Eaton, Ohio, offering a wide range of new and used cars, trucks, and SUVs with on-site financing. Larkin Cobb, close to Eaton, Richmond, Dayton, and Brookville. On the web at LarkinCobb.com. Sunrise Morning Show continues. I'm Matt Swaim, joined now by Father Boniface Hicks, and he is the author, co-author, along with Father Thomas Acklin, of Personal Prayer, A Guide to Receiving the Father's Love. Father Boniface, good morning. Good morning, Matt. How are you doing? I'm doing well, uh, and this is a great topic, uh, especially this time of year as we're looking towards Christmas, we're in the season of Advent, uh, self-denial in prayer. And, and how that can dispose us towards prayer. I wonder if you could maybe give us some background of how we should be thinking about this. Well, the, the basic movement of, of love and connection requires us to go out of ourselves to reach out to another, and that's both giving ourselves as a gift to another and then opening ourselves to receive another. And, of course, prayer is a relationship with God. It's, it's opening ourselves to the, the great other, to God himself. And the more that we are uh, self-focused and self-absorbed and self-conscious, which is all, you know, those are uh, natural dispositions as we battle the, uh, just the the struggle, really all, doing all of that requires us to be vulnerable. And so there are a lot of ways we try to hold ourselves together and protect ourselves from getting hurt. And so we, uh, we tend to be closed in on ourselves. But the the steady movement towards openness to the other, connection with the other, gift to the other, receiving the other, as a way of emptying us of self and making room for, for real relationships. But again, that requires letting go of something. Uh, we can't constantly watch ourselves to do that. And so that requires more trust, and uh, that then it has a way of cascading into to greater and greater openness and uh, self-gift and receptivity and a lot of other things that become habitual dispositions. But that's the, that's the basic movement of, from, from self to relationship. Well, listen, Father, I am more than happy to die to myself, as long as it's on my terms. Let's just get this clear. <laughs> yes, indeed. Yeah, I mean, we know this from, from every kind of relationship, and, and prayer follows the same pattern. That is, as long as we're doing everything on our own terms and as long as we're constantly counting the cost and uh, trying to um, measure how much we're going to give and how much we're going to get, and as long as we insert ourselves into, uh, into that equation, then it just uh, doesn't go anywhere. <laughs> we, we have to keep taking that risk of doing things on the other's terms and, and paying attention to the other's needs and uh, and, and then a lot of things, the, the thing that happens is we discover what we were really longing for was precisely that self-emptying, precisely that connection, precisely that relationship. And, uh, but if we, if we pursue that directly, it's sort of like happiness has to be a byproduct. If we pursue happiness, we'll never get there because that's ultimately has a, has a self-centered quality in it. 
But when we pursue the other, when we pursue relationships, when we pursue love, then happiness is the is the byproduct of that. Well, this is a, a great time of year to think about this because with Advent, we're steering everything as a, a church community towards Jesus, the Word incarnate, and everything that means for us in our personal lives. But we've got this thing yanking uh, you know, our spirits from the outside to say, no, think about what you want. I need your Christmas list. <laughs> you, know, you know, this is, you know, you know, a chance to look and say, ah, oh, we got to get all this uh, stuff. We got to make all this food. We got to eat all these things. I got to buy eggnog for $5 a half a gallon. You know, like these are all these things that are sort of pushing on us. I mean, it really is, uh, I think, a struggle this time of year to figure out how do I go not for, for what I want right now? and focus on what I should be. <laughs> yeah, the uh, consumerism is, uh, is a real trap for, uh, and as the, as the word implies, consuming. When we consume, we become more bloated in ourselves. And when we're constantly, we can, we can easily get lost in all of the wrong things. We can get lost in a lot of beautiful things, too. It is a, a beautiful time of year. The Advent season, a little different than Lent, is about making room for God. Uh, Lent is a little bit more about purifying vices and, and living more for Him, but, um, but Advent is really about making room in the inner in uh, of, our, of our hearts so that Christ can be born there, in the inner manger of our hearts so that Christ can be born there. So I set aside certain self-absorbed patterns and processes and, and try to open more space for the other and not uh, just consume and fill myself with all of my own stuff or all of my own worries. Well, and if you could, uh, I would love to hear your thoughts on maybe how to understand this as a process instead of just a, you know, I died to myself last Thursday. We should be good from here on out, right? <laughs> That's right. Like like any relationship. I mean, in order to be married, you had to get out of yourself to notice someone else and then as much as you're self-conscious, especially at the beginning of a relationship, uh, you, you take risks to make room in your life and to try putting someone else uh, more in the center. And, and we do that in an iterative way. When we get hurt, when we get uh, um, maybe uh, startled or disturbed, or we, we tend to close in on ourselves, we pull back. And then that's a process of reconciliation, of opening again, of deepening trust. Um, so the same kinds of patterns apply with God as we uh, put him in the center, as we make our, our prayer times and even the focus of our prayer times more about him than about us as we go out of ourselves. And usually that's very uh, fulfilling at first, and then we start to diminish a bit and it gets a little darker, drier, more difficult. He's not giving us what we want. And then we have to keep making acts of trust to uh, go, out, go out of ourselves and, and open ourselves to him. And so it's a steady process, and it's, it's always a matter of holding it open. As much as it becomes our default position, it, as much as it becomes habitual, um, we, we keep having to make the decision to open to him and make room for him. Well, it's a lot to ponder and uh, a process that we should all be part of as Christians. And it's one of the many topics that Father Boniface hits in his book, Personal Prayer, A Guide to Receiving the Father's Love. Father Boniface, always appreciate you. Thank you, as always, and have a wonderful day. You too, Matt. Thank you so much. 
All right, 32 minutes past the hour. Here's Anna with news. Good morning. The Archdiocese of Cincinnati has announced the hiring of a new superintendent for Catholic schools. The Catholic schools office has been run by an interim superintendent this year after the retirement last year of Susan Gibbons. Matthew Daniels will take up the position in July. He is currently the senior director of the Department of Catholic Education for the Diocese of Toledo, overseeing 60 schools that educate nearly 16,000 students. He has served previously as a principal and as a high school teacher. Archbishop Dennis Schnur said in the statement, quote, Matt Daniels is a true champion of the critical importance of Catholic education to the evangelizing mission of the church. His strong, faithful leadership will be a blessing to the schools of our archdiocese, end quote. In other news, the Senate has closed up shop for the year without a deal on funding for Ukraine. The Senate adjourned yesterday and will now reconvene on January 8th. In the meantime, Senate and White House negotiators plan to hold virtual meetings on an emergency foreign aid package over the Christmas and New Year's break. Pope Francis, at his general audience yesterday, reiterated his calls for peace in the Holy Land and in Ukraine. After reflecting on the nativity scene during his catechesis, he connected it with the work of peace, asking the faithful to go to the crib and ask Jesus for peace. He also offered his prayers for those affected by a Chinese earthquake that killed at least 130 people. The magnitude 6.2 quake struck northwest China on Monday night. Pope Francis said at the general audience that he was close to those who are suffering, saying, I encourage the emergency services and invoke the blessing of the Almighty upon all so that he might bring comfort and relief in their sorrow. In his catechesis, the Pope focused on the first nativity scene created by St. Francis 800 years ago. From Vatican Radio, Christopher Wells reports. What was the saint's intention in organizing a living nativity in the small Umbrian town of Greccio? The Pope asked. Francesco non vuole realizzare una bella opera d'arte, no, no. Ma Saint Francis, he explained, wasn't trying to create a beautiful work of art, but through the nativity scene to provoke amazement at the extreme humility of the Lord, at the hardships he suffered for love of us in the poor grotto of Bethlehem. Pope Francis went on to identify two chief characteristics of the nativity scene, soberness or simplicity, and joy. The first characteristic contrasts with the hustle and bustle of the holiday season that too often leads to dissipation of heart. Instead, the nativity scene was created to bring us back to what truly matters, our relationship with God and our relations with other people. But the Pope continued, the nativity scene of Greccio speaks not only of simplicity, but also of joy. The joy of Christmas, he said, doesn't come from sumptuous presents or lavish celebrations, but instead is the joy that overflows from the heart that has tangibly experienced the closeness of Jesus, the tenderness of God, who does not leave us alone, but stands with those who feel alone. Pope Francis concluded his audience by comparing the nativity scene to a well from which we can draw out the nearness of God, the source of our hope and joy. It's like a living gospel, he said, a domestic gospel. And like the well in the Bible, 
Bible, the Nativity scene is a place of encounter where we bring to Jesus the expectations and worries of life, just as the shepherds of Bethlehem and the people of Gretcher did in their time. I'm Christopher Wells. 36 now on the Sunrise Morning Show and Sports on Sacred Heart Radio is brought to you by Dr. Robert Berger and Beacon Orthopedics and Sports Medicine online at beaconortho.com. Here's Paul Lockman. Thank you very much, Anna Mitchell. Last night, college hoops did not break the way for the Xavier Musketeers there on the road and uh, fell to St. John's 81-66 final score. Dayton Flyers at home knocked off Oakland College Hoops tonight. Ohio State back basketball tips off against New Orleans, Ohio State 9-2 and two on the season. Tomorrow, Cincinnati will host Stenson. About the uh, Bengals injury report, it looks like uh, Jamar Chase, he didn't he missed uh, practice for the second straight day, and uh, it appears he will be out with a shoulder injury. Uh, that is bad news, but for good news, how about running back Chase Brown? He was upgraded as a full participant in yesterday's practice. He's been a part of uh, Cincinnati's three-game win streak. Bengals sit in third in the AFC North with an 8-6 and six record. Must-win game on Saturday, 4-30, matchup against the Steelers. Let's check in on sports. We got more on the Sunrise Morning Show right after this. You can find a lot of different businesses on Sacred Heart Radio's Angels List, but there are some businesses that we still don't have on the list. Right now is the perfect opportunity for you to reach hundreds of thousands of listeners and be the first business of your kind on our list. If you specialize in childcare, appliance repair, pest control, painting, roofing, handyman services, or carpet cleaning, I want to talk to you. Email me, Leah, at sacredheartradio.com, and let's get you on Sacred Heart Radio's Angels List. Support for Sacred Heart Radio is from Dr. Robert Berger at Beacon Orthopedics and Sports Medicine. Dr. Berger has been recognized by Cincinnati Magazine nearly every year over the past 20 years as one of the top physicians in orthopedic surgery, and he serves as team physician for Xavier University, Mount St. Joseph University, and LaSalle High School. Dr. Berger treats patients of all ages at the Beacon West office on Harrison Avenue and on the east side at Cincinnati Sports Club. For more information, 513-354-3700, online at beaconortho.com. Support for Sacred Heart Radio is from Rose Automotive, serving the Hamilton area with a wide selection of pre-owned cars, trucks, and SUVs. Rose Automotive, celebrating over 30 years of automotive excellence. On Erie Highway in Hamilton, roseautomotivegroup.com. Family, please know that Sacred Heart Radio has never sold or shared our mailing list with anyone. So when you donate or sign up to receive our newsletters, be confident that Sacred Heart Radio will not sell or share your information with other organizations. I'm Father Jan Schmidt. Our prayer today is for various needs for the family. Oh God, in whose eternal design family life has its firm foundation, look with compassion on the prayers of your servants and grant that following the example of the holy family of your only begotten Son, in practicing the virtues of family life and in the bonds of charity, we may, in the joy of your house, delight one day in eternal rewards. Through Christ our Lord. Amen. Sunrise Morning Show continues. I'm Matt Swain, joined now by Father Augustin Weta, and he is the author of Pray, Think, Act, Make Better Decisions with the Desert Fathers. Father Augustin, how are you? I'm doing great. Good to be back. Well, I wanted to, um, we're, we've gotten into the second step 
of your book. Uh, the book is Pray, Think, Act. And we're starting off the think step this week. And you start off your That's think right. chapter with a story of Father Joseph and a pro and con list. I wonder if you could share that with us. Brother said to Father Joseph of Penephesus, I am at peace in my monastery, but I also feel the call to be a hermit. What should I do? The old monk said, if it is a choice between two options, both of which will bring you peace, place each, as it were, into a scale. Add to them other thoughts, both encouraging and discouraging, then weigh them against each other. <laughs> well, and, that sounds like a revolutionary idea, except I think a lot of us have made yeah. pro and con lists over the years. Yeah, it's not a revolutionary idea. Benjamin Franklin thought he invented it, actually. He called it moral algebra. But uh, if he had only known the Desert Fathers, he would have realized they thought of it first. I remember I had a friend in graduate school who was a fundamentalist who one day he said, you know, the other night I was just praying scriptures. I just started listening to them. They really listened like Jesus was talking directly to me, and I even then, I thought, you know, monks have been doing that for hundreds of years. Someday you're going to get to St. John and say, wow, you know, like maybe Jesus thought, said, to eat my body and meant it literally. You know? uh, we're constantly rediscovering things that our parents already figured out. Well, the pro and con list is an interesting thing to uh, to ponder because it does sound sort of like a corporate uh, reflection activity that you might get at like a professional development <laughs> day or something like that. But there really is some benefit to this. And, you know, also because, as you mentioned, and, and as the story of Father Joseph illustrates, a lot of our choices are not between a good thing and a bad thing. A lot of them are between like a couple of good things and there could be yeah. some some wiggle room there. Yeah, I think it's important that he says that if you're trying to decide between two options, both of which will bring you peace, right? That uh, if it's a, and that's again one of the real sort of ironies of hard decisions is that if it's a hard decision, it's because it's between two good things or two really bad things. But either way, you're either going to do really well or going to do really poorly, right? Well, and I think understanding that there are pros and cons to decisions um, in our own life helps me to be a little bit more merciful when someone uh, who I've asked to do something tells me no, <laughs> because uh, chances are uh, the thing that I'd ask them to do would be something that they would find interesting and would possibly be good, but they have chosen another good instead of helping me out with the thing. And you know, knowing that there's a little bit of a moral calculus or moral algebra, as Ben Franklin says here, helps me be a little bit more okay with someone when they tell them when they tell me no. Well, right. And they're gonna have prejudices and and shortcomings as well. I remember as a novice losing the car keys for like the thirtieth time and some one of the older monks, poor guy, missed the funeral and lost his temper. And I remember thinking you know, if he were just more patient, if he were, if he were just more like me, then he'd understand. Uh, but then, of course, we'd never have the car keys, so if he were just like me. Uh, so we all have complementary, as it were, complementary flaws as well as complementary um, virtues. But again, and that's what the moral algebra is all about, is measuring those flaws and virtues and then the flaws and virtues we find in the world. 
trying to figure out like whether the you know certain flaws weigh more as it were than others, or virtues or benefits. Right. It's not just about uh, which list is longer, right? Whether you have 12 pros and six cons, <laughs> right? But but how much each of those cons weighs kind of matters. Right. I, I just love the way the Desert Fathers do this because they have such a, a, a simple but profound way of stating everything. He doesn't just say measure them. He says weigh them against each other. And that takes into account all the subtleties involved. Well, let's say there's somebody who is walking into the workplace or who is uh, heading out of daily mass and, you know, going to the next yeah. stage in their life today. And they've got a couple of things that they're sort of agonizing over. Uh, I mean, how would you encourage them to, to go about this process in weighing goods against one another? Um, I mean, and really think of that word weigh. Like, how would you what, what's a word of encouragement you would give to a person in that situation this morning? <laughs> I'd say that your choice really doesn't matter in the end. <laughs> Sorry to be so uh, blunt, but if if they're two good things, then you're going to do well either way. If they're two bad things, then you're just out of luck either way. But I, And then again, if you've been praying first, even a bad thing can work out well, right? Our, here in St. Louis, we have St. Philippine Duchenne who did all the weighing and all the decision-making and decided she was called to be a missionary. And she worked her whole life to do it, never converted anyone. <laughs> but it, as long, but she did it all with prayer. And so, as Mother Teresa said, right, God doesn't call us to be successful. He calls us to be faithful. Uh, so all these, all these decisions and, and writing them down, of course, helps, and measuring and weighing them helps. But in the end, it's a matter of fidelity, not success. Yeah, and that's such an important thing to think about because, you know, like there are people who are trying to figure out what to major in in college, and they could be good at a whole bunch of different things, right? And sometimes right. you just need to have you just need to make that decision. I mean, you'd work with high schoolers, you know this, right? I mean, you can't do everything with your life. You got to at some point make a decision. Right, and it's never quite as uh, the decision is never quite the consequences are never quite as horrible as you imagine them to be. I, I remember a student telling me, "Look, I, I don't want to cheat on this next test, but if I don't, I'll never get into college, and then I'll be unhappy for the rest of my life." And I remember thinking, even then, yeah, this kid has not done the moral algebra. Right? He, he, he came out with this catastrophic uh, equation and calculated the cost. And, of course, I mean, even I would be very tempted. Well, I would be tempted to cheat. In fact, I probably would cheat if, if I thought the, if I did that kind of algebra in my head, especially without praying first. Well, thanks so much, Father Augustine Weta. Definitely check out his book. It'd actually be a great gift uh, for somebody this year or perhaps for yourself. It's called Pray, Think, Act. Uh, it's a guide to better decision-making with the Desert Fathers. It's linked at sunrisemorningshow.com. We are back right after this. Stay with us. It's 12 till. Business owners are starting to think outside the box to find new customers. You can reach millions of engaged Catholic listeners by underwriting the Sunrise Morning Show. Each weekday morning, listeners across the U.S. and around the globe can hear your message for your business, ministry, or nonprofit on the Sunrise Morning Show. To find out how it works, email me, Leah, 
at sacredheartradio.com. That's Leah at sacredheartradio.com. Why wait in endless lines at the pharmacy when Brozard Pharmacy, a proud supporter of Sacred Heart Radio, can fill your prescriptions in a timely manner with high quality. Brozard Pharmacy, fast, friendly service without the wait. 513-941-0428. Support for Sacred Heart Radio is from Honda East, with evening and weekend hours designed to make servicing your vehicle easy. Honda East, just off I-275 on Beachmont Avenue. Help me, Honda East, get the car that I want. Online at HondaEastCincy.com. Support is from Andiamo Artisan Bakery in Hamilton's German Village, featuring authentic Italian cookies and sweets to grace your table during the holidays. From their signature Sicilian almond paste cookies to cannoli and tiramisu, celebrate the season with the flavors of chocolate, walnut, and fig. Order in store or online at andiamo-artisan-bakery.com. That's A-N-D-I-A-M-O, andiamo-artisan-bakery.com. Working to see the culture of life prevail in the Miami Valley, Dayton Right to Life is here to protect God's gift of life through law, education, and community action, from fertilization to natural death. Find Dayton Right to Life online at DaytonLife.org. That's DaytonLife.org. Support for Sacred Heart Radio is from Sunset Janitorial Supply, a Catholic family business supplying the tri-state cleaning industry with commercial cleaning supplies, personal hygiene, equipment, and even machine repair. Free delivery to your business. More information at SunsetJanitorialSupply.com. The Sunrise Morning Show continues. I'm Matt Swain and uh, Anna Mitchell. As we get closer and closer to Christmas while still trying to hang on for dear life to Advent. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I don't know about you, but I'm trying. It, it is a battle. Can it I ask you, what do you do like, if you're going to, I don't know. I went to Barnes & Noble yesterday. Yes. And, you know, I'm buying presents for Christmas and the person mm-hmm. at the checkout counter knows that I'm buying presents for Christmas. Do you say Merry Christmas to that person as in like, have a Merry Christmas? Or do you not say anything? Do you say thank you, have a good day? So the verb tense gets you out a little bit on that. I hope you have a Merry Christmas. Well, what if you just say Merry Christmas? Because that could imply have a Merry Christmas. I so hope this you is my, have a You want to hear Christmas. my wiggle room here? Yeah. If I say happy holidays back prior to Christmas, what I'm really saying is happy feast of Our Lady of Guadalupe and St. Nicholas and the Immaculate Conception. Okay, but what do you do on... And St. Peter Canisius. What do you do on... And then once Christmas hits, I I go Merry Christmas all the way through. Well, what do you do on December 20th? Say happy feast of Bejulus of Rome? If I have to. No, I just say... Happy feast day of Hoger of I will graciously say something like, thank you, you too. Happy feast of Mikhail Piaczynski. Well, I mean, I don't know why we're not celebrating these people more. Happy feast of Pope Zephyrinus. 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 All I know is that... I just, you know... It is, uh, it's funny, there have been some... Some people who who have freakouts, and I don't think it's necessary to have freakouts in a in a p- exchange of pleasantries. These things are not a big deal. I do think it's funny that at various war on Christmas things, you know, in the discourse, people are like, Starbucks has released a cup that doesn't say Christmas on it, and you know, 
Christians are freaking out everywhere. I've actually never known anybody who like cared. I always just thought it was like fake outrage used to sell Starbucks cups. Well, of course. Um, and then sometimes people will be like, oh, we now have like this right person in office. So now it's okay to say Merry Christmas again. I'm like, which one of you people stopped saying Merry Christmas for yeah, really? <laughs> during some like some person's like reign in some political office at any level? Mm-hmm. I'm going to say what I what I feel like saying every time. Mm-hmm. But if somebody says Merry Christmas to me, I'm going to say it back. Okay. It's good. Uh, probably. But the where I do get you know a little bit you know outside the box and and maybe get the stairs is when I keep on saying it through January. Yeah. So Yeah, yeah. I'm with but, you on that. But I mean it is it is the countercultural thing. Actually, it's the cultural thing. The countercultural thing is to like shove Christmas in a box it doesn't go in, right? And to make Black Friday last the entire month of November. Or I mean, those are the countercultural things. The actual culture comes from the incarnation, absolutely, and everything flows towards it, and everything flows back out from it. Mm-hmm. Just like the mass itself, which is sort of the the uh, incarnational sacramental worship event that's at the heart of the church. Uh, the Catechism says that. All the activity of the church flows toward the mass, and all the energy from the church flows out from the mass. So I'm okay if that means that I can say, you have a Merry Christmas leading up to Christmas, and then once Christmas hits, I can then say, Merry Christmas. Mm -hmm. Just mess with the verb tense, Anna Mitchell, and you'll be fine. Okay. Just say, I hope you have a Merry Christmas. That really launched you on a long I think about these things. Wow. I think about these things. Actually, I've been thinking. <laughs> I've been thinking more about my uh, my planning for the weekend. I don't know uh, if this is the case for other people, but you were talking to Brendan Hodge mm-hmm. about the various configurations of of making the Christmas services. Yeah, I I have before me. If I wanted to go for it, I could do the quad Christmas circuit on Sunday. I could do the full quad, which would be go to the earliest mass possible for the fourth Sunday of Advent that morning. Okay. Go visit my parents at their church mid-morning, late late morning. Then go to my parents' church for their Christmas Eve candlelight service that late afternoon, early evening, and then hit midnight mass. Wow. If I really wanted to be hardcore. Wow. That's impressive. But I'm not going um, to do that. I think it would be... I, I really liked the idea of just going to back-to-back masses on Christmas Eve... And just keeping your seat. Just keeping your seat. <laughs> this is the kind of thing. I think this is, you know, it's funny because I had a friend who um, who uh, goes to Byzantine liturgies. This is not Father Hezekiah, so I don't. Oh know well, those, those last long enough to go to where you start in the next one. Oh uh, well, the I mean, they the don't have done. they don't have this like Sunday obligation stuff that we Roman Catholics do, and. So they look at something like this where we're talking about this and they're like, oh, my gosh, you Roman Catholics are nuts. You're so obsessed with the rules. Right. And and I thought, no, this isn't about like following the rules. Like, I think this is so fun to have all of these options to go celebrate the fourth Sunday of Advent and celebrate Christmas all together like this. And it's kind of fun to to pick and choose and, and you know, Mix come and up match. with a combination. 
It's like going to one of those places where you can pick two. Like you can get a half sandwich and a soup or a half salad and a sandwich. I mean, it's really about your your perspective on this. I mean, yeah, if you're looking at this from a scrupulous standpoint, like, oh, my gosh, if I go to mass on Sunday and he's I saw a post saying, like, if you're if you go to mass and the priest is wearing white both times, you've done it wrong. And that's not the case. It's wrong. Like, no, don't. Don't be scrupulous about it. Let's do Christmas. Do Christmas. Let's do it for real. Yeah. Talk to you tomorrow. May God bless you and keep you and grant you his peace. Encountering Christ on Sacred Heart Radio has been happening in your car, on your smartphone, and at home for more than two decades now because of you. Thank you. But before the new year starts, if you're feeling called to make a special end-of-the-year contribution, please know that all gifts to Sacred Heart Radio are tax-deductible, giving you the benefit of a tax deduction and the blessing of encountering Christ whenever you like. To mail your gift, use the envelope from the Christmas newsletter or visit sacredheartradio.com and click on Donate. And again, thank you. Support for Sacred Heart Radio is from Hoting Realtors, trusted and recommended by generations of families to sell their homes. Licensed in Ohio, Kentucky, and Indiana. Hoting Realtors, 513-451-4800 and at Hoting.com. All are precious in God's sight, no matter our age, race, ability, or residence. Yet many lives are threatened, especially in the womb. Cincinnati Right to Life works to protect the good gift of life at every age and every stage. For more information, go to CincinnatiRightToLife.org. This is John Kennedy, a State Farm agent serving Northern Kentucky and Cincinnati and a proud supporter of Sacred Heart Radio. Whether it's home, auto, or life insurance, I can help with any of your insurance needs. I can be reached at 859-485-2000 or online at johnkennedyinsurance.com. Support for Sacred Heart Radio is from Trinity Church Supply, providing church supplies and religious gifts worldwide. From Catholic greeting cards, books, and willow tree, to sterling silver medals, rosary, sacramental gifts, and statues. Trinity Church Supply, 5479 North Bend Road. Start your new year with purpose. Gate of Heaven Cemetery of the Archdiocese of Cincinnati is here to help you understand church teachings, to assist your loved ones tomorrow by thinking ahead today. Gate of Heaven Cemetery's free pre-planning seminar is on Tuesday, January 23rd, offering three time slots for your convenience, 11 a.m., 2 p.m., or 6 p.m. For reservations, 513-489-0300 or email community at gateofheaven.org. Offering Catholic retreats based on Ignatian spirituality, the Jesuit Spiritual Center invites you to a weekend of prayer and renewal. As you begin a new year, take time to slow down, refocus, and experience the peace of Christ that surpasses all understanding. Register now at JesuitSpiritualCenter.com, JesuitSpiritualCenter.com. That's JesuitSpiritualCenter.com, JesuitSpiritualCenter.com. Support for Sacred Heart Radio is from Sunset Janitorial Supply, a Catholic family business supplying the tri-state cleaning industry with commercial cleaning supplies, personal hygiene, equipment, and even machine repair. Free delivery to your business. More information at sunsetjanitorialsupply.com. This is Archbishop Dennis Schnur from the Archdiocese of Cincinnati. Thank you for listening to Sacred Heart Catholic Radio. 740 WNOP Newport, 910 WPFB Middletown, or get the app, stream, podcast, and more at 